0: closely. What's the secret, man? You just got to find
1: something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of And welcome to the Establishing Shot, a podcast where we do deep dives into directors and their filmographies. I am here uh, on episode 22 of the podcast, uh, getting uh, deeper and deeper into Christopher Nolan's filmography as we uh, cover um, this great household name director, Christopher Nolan. Uh, And yeah, we're talking about The Dark Knight today, the penultimate. Christopher Nolan film I think. I don't know. You could argue, I think it's between this and Inception but you know, well who who I think it's just personal preference. Um but yeah, definitely is most successful. So uh, I'm excited to talk about this one and uh I brought in a good friend uh today uh to talk about it with me, Houston Dragna Um Houston, I'm excited to have you on uh to talk about this movie. I uh I don't, I, I think I texted you when I asked you to do it. Um, and I said, whenever, like, I think about the dark night, I think about Houston because, <laughs> uh, of your love for this movie. And so, uh, so yeah, <laughs> I had to get Houston on for this episode. Um, yeah, Houston, uh, if you want to, uh, introduce yourself and kind of let everyone know who you are, what you do, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, go ahead.
2: Hey, uh, Thanks, man. Um yeah, it was it was awesome to get a text from you and say, like, hey, like i I've been doing this podcast thing, I kinda of been following you for a bit. So um thanks so much for having me. Um Yeah. But yeah, uh, my name is Houston Dragna. I um I've been knowing Eli for I don't know what probably close like, to ten years 10. now. Yeah, close to it. Jeez, okay. Yeah, I need to like <laughs> check myself. I'm like thirty one now, that's yeah. And just like somewhere in the middle of college is when I, when we met. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we started, um, at a church together where I was the worship leader and Eli was the associate pastor. And then like, we knew mm-hmm. each other from the the Baptist collegiate ministry. I think you see, see him wearing the hat right now, um, <laughs> uh, from UL and Lafayette. Um, I am uh, a native of Louisiana. Um, I am married uh, almost 10 years to my wife, Kristen. Uh, We have a little girl named Josephine. We have another little girl on the way in December, uh, so that's exciting. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
2: I am currently uh, working as a graphic designer, photographer, and videographer for a very small marketing firm uh, in Baton Rouge, Um, but I did used to work for PreSonus Audio um, and then for a short-time Fender uh, when we got bought out by them. and I did everything from social media to photography to like kind of co-directing and producing some like commercials and video shoots for different products and stuff like that. Um, I've done the odd um, music video, um, live recording thing here and there, um, either from an audio perspective. Like I, I went to school for like audio production and then kind of did that for a while with Presonus and then uh, picked up videography soon after. And so I've done a little bit of that. Um and yeah, I, uh, I, I play music myself, so I'm a guitar player. I sang a little bit, um, pretty much anything besides piano. I did like brass and stuff in college. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like going all over
1: the place, but that's, that's yeah. me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Houston is, uh, the man of, uh, of many talents. Um, and, uh, most of the time you're, you're like, I'm, a, um, you know, uh, What's the what's the phrase? Um, the jack of all trades, master yeah, of none. Master of none, yeah. But Houston's pretty. Uh, he's like a uh, he's like the jack of all trades, but like maybe not master, but like higher than jack. You know, I'm heckin', I'm heckin' decent at most. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, but yeah, Houston's even uh, done some some pictures uh, of my family that I love. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah yeah thank you man um yeah and uh and you had um i I know y'all haven't put out anything uh in there in recent months but y'all you had a podcast with some uh some friends going for a while uh yeah yeah um yeah it's called dad casual um
2: it is a um, kind of like a chill video game podcast um We call it dad casual because it's a bunch of dads and we're all like, quote unquote, casual gamers. (laughs) Um, So we started that about a year ago. We put about, I don't know, we were, I think we're getting close to 50 episodes or so. Mm -hmm. I think it was in like the low 40s maybe. But um, I mean, all three of us are uh, videographers uh, to some degree. And uh, the other two guys own a wedding business and I own my own wedding business. So like if you go to my website, like right now, it's just like all wedding centered. Um, Yeah. But I do like a lot of like like I was saying product stuff and commercial work and contract labor and all this kind of stuff. Um anything from family portraits to kind of whatever comes my way. So we all kind of got busy with booking and um like the way that we run the production, it's like maybe a little bit too much for <laughs> what, yeah. what we could we kinda of overcommitted a little bit. So I think <laughs> we're just taking like a little bit of a break right now. But um it, it's a ton of fun. So if you want to go check it out, it's dad dad casual um or dad casual podcast pretty much on any service. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, the content's still out there, even if there's nothing. Yeah, yeah, we have, right we have now. hours
2: and hours and hours and yeah. hours of content. So if you like video games, and uh, especially if you're a dad, um, it'll cater right to you.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's a that's a fun little niche, video game dads. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, Houston, uh, uh, you want to share a little bit about like uh, just remembering like what made you start like loving film? Um, maybe it was like childhood memories or like mm-hmm. college or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Share a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Um, so I guess like my earliest memories would be Disney movies. Cause right. my family was like super into Disney. Like I never went on a ski trip. Like I went on very few like road trips and stuff, but like every other year I'm like, I'm, I'm not trying to like brag or anything. Like I'm, I'm very like, conscious of the fact that like not everybody gets to do this, but like every other year we would go to Disney world with like friends and family and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so that was a big part of me uh, growing up. And that was um, kind of a part of my family's identity for a while. Mm-hmm. And so we owned pretty much anything Disney animated feature, feature films wise on VHS and mm-hmm. then DVD and then Blu-ray in my house. And so there's like bookshelves full of it, like, like four of those at my house, um, <laughs> probably still full of like old, mostly Disney movies. Um, and so, like, Aladdin, Hercules, Mulan, um, yeah. those are some of my favorites. The ones that came out in, like, the early to mid-90s. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: so those are my my fondest, still some of my fondest movie memories and some of my favorite movies to this day. Um, I don't know about, like, modern, I guess, like, proper cinematography, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, Disney has, I think they make great stuff, like I said, but yeah, um, I don't really know when... Or, or who it clicked with or what movie it may have been. If there was even one, it was probably just a, a series of a bunch of them. Right. But um, I don't think I'm a, as, much, as much of a cinema buff as you are. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But, I mean, I, obviously I love cinematography. I love photography. I have a really mm-hmm. um, strong respect for great cinematographers um, and movie directors and writers and producers and and all of those involved in that process, especially now, since I do it more on a professional level,
0: Right. Um, even
2: though I'm not doing narrative feature films, I'm doing like commercial work. Um, but there's Mm -hmm. still like a lot of crossover there and it requires a lot of, like it's showing me how much like thought and passion and care it actually takes, Mm -hmm. um, to make those things happen, especially when I work with like little to no budget in comparison, most of the time. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, um, yeah, I mean, we we can maybe like later go on and like, what are my favorite movies of all time? Like that kind of thing that'll maybe give mm-hmm. you a better um, inkling of like my taste and like kind of where I started liking film. But um, yeah, we, we can move on for now.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, we talked in the overview episode that about Nolan. Uh, so when he finished college, um, he was working on like some shorts and stuff with his friends. But his day job was um, working for like basically like um, uh, marketing um, or um, I can't remember exactly what sort of like company it was. But he was basically just shooting um, like uh, training videos and stuff for companies with like basically no budget. And, yeah, and, he, and he was <laughs>
2: like in his like late 20s, early 30s, right? Right. Uh huh. I yeah. mean, I'm right there with you. Yeah. So who and, knows? Yeah. And so con-
1: Christopher Nolan, you know, confession.
2: <laughs> Nolan is my favorite director. Yeah. By like by a long shot. Like I, sure, I love some yeah. other ones, like your Tarantino's and Scorsese's and stuff. But but Nolan is yeah by by a large margin my favorite director.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's um like I said he's kind of like the the household name. Like he's he's so accessible. Um mm-hmm. and like. Like if you're, if you're kind of like, um, you know, obviously like there's, there's his detractors. um, But, um, but it's like, it's undeniable that like he's done something with movies that not many people have done, which is like make original stuff that like, like kills at the box office. Like not a lot of people do that. I mean, you've got Spielberg, James Cameron, like, Nolan and not really a whole lot of others are able to to really do that. So Yeah,
2: I agree. Um and and I will preface this um and, and just kind of get it out the way right now. I'm not like um I, I would say I'm a pretty hardcore modern Nolan fan, but I actually haven't seen his first three movies. Yeah <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen Insomnia, I haven't seen Memento yet, and I haven't seen what's the the first, the very first yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that one either, which I'm like kicking myself for. But I think I started with like the the Dark Knight trilogy and uh, prestige. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if I had to recommend like just one of his early movies, it would be Memento, Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people still will say that's like his. Some people even say that's his best. um, Still, okay. It's just it's it's just like it's very like precise and like interestingly constructed. Um, Yeah, really good. Um, And some followings okay. Um, it's very obviously made with no budget, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but like really well made for a no budget movie. Um, you know, insomnia is kind of like his, it's, it's the, probably the least Nolan-y movie of all of his. I I was listening to your episode on that one a little bit. Um, Yeah,
2: but yeah, I didn't even realize he'd made a movie with Robin Williams. I was like, yeah, like one of my favorite actors. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it, it's um, it's still really good. Um, I like Insomnia, but um, but yeah, what what was your like? Do you remember what your introduction to Nolan I, was? I think it was,
2: uh, and I was looking at the the timing of his movies, so I think technically mm-hmm. the Prestige was like it came out just after the um, Batman Begins, right? Yeah, but I think I saw the Prestige first.
1: Okay, yeah,
2: because I I think at the time, like the notion of like the superhero movie was still kind of fresh. It was, yeah. And like I think the only ones I had seen were maybe the original um uh, Spider Man ones the um mm-hmm. the Rami um
1: yeah what's Raimi. the director's name
2: yeah same Raimi. Sam Rami Sam yeah, Rami yeah yeah almost said Rami Malek there's like no no that's the actor <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah and and I love those but um yeah that was definitely before the whole superhero movie like like proper modern one kind of craze yeah. caught on. Um, and I loved Hugh Jackman at the time because um, I think he like that maybe was the tie in from like X-Men like he had like, yeah, just done that. And X-Men then he did had just come out.
1: Not yeah, not long. Yeah. Before, so yeah. I,
2: I did actually like those. So I guess. It, yeah, it was like right when the that was that whole craze was starting. And so mm-hmm. maybe I was like, oh, yeah well, maybe I'll check this out. And so um, I did. And I remember that movie just blew my mind. It yeah. was so good. The twist is amazing. Like the whole mm. tone of it, his cinematography. Um, I, I'm not sure. Was that also a Wally Feister movie for for DP? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's done most of them, most of the Nolan movies, but yeah, he has
1: um, um I think th- I'll accept, uh not the not a few most recent ones, but um but yeah, everything from like Memento to like um the whole Dark Knight trilogy for sure. Yeah. Mhm. Um I think through the Dark Knight, I think starting with maybe Dunkirk. He switched to Hoyvim Hoynema. Mhm. Um Yeah, okay. But yeah. All the yeah, pre- Prestige.
2: Yeah. Just to, yeah. to get back to that. Um, the prestige I think was definitely my first one that like really gripped me as like, okay, I, n- I need to know who made this movie.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was mine too. Prestige. Um, mm. I think I had seen Batman begins when I was in high school. I remember watching it, um, like on my TV in my room, I think. <laughs> um, cause I, I didn't see it in theaters. Uh, but yeah, I remember the press the prestige sticks out cuz it was like like you said it was the one that was like whoa, this is there's a lot going on here. It
2: um, it, it, it was like the most intentional type of movie I'd ever seen. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't just like this like happy go lucky Disney movie kind of thing, but it also yeah. wasn't like a horror film and it wasn't like super inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Um so it, I kind of it, it just hit right there cuz like there wasn't like a lot of like an I don't even think it was it R rated. I think it was just PG 13, maybe yeah, it was PG 13. Yeah. So yeah. Like it was just like, whatever, like it, it doesn't have like a whole lot of like quote unquote bad stuff and I can just kind of enjoy it and watch it with mm-hmm. family. And like, it was just a cool thing. So
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah um, which is funny cause he really walks the line I think, mm-hmm. for <laughs> some of his stuff on PG. Cause like that last <laughs> that last, uh, picture that you get in the prestige is pretty horrifying and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and really too like in The Dark Knight, which we'll talk about, he he does some like editing like where he cuts at just the right moment mm-hmm. so that he can keep it PG-13. He's, he's pretty good about that like in yeah. Inception, for sure. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, uh yeah, it's um I we can transition to to The Dark Knight um off of that you were you were talking about like the kind of um genesis of the the superhero movie movement. Um mm-hmm. and that really was like um I mean that was the that was this. This is kind of what did I mean you had like um you had like franchise stuff being made like this like we talked about Spider Man, the X Men like, stuff. The ol- and even like the older
2: like Batman mm-hmm. iterations and like the Superman yeah. movies and all that kind of stuff before. But like this was like it felt different.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah and it's it it bef- at that point it was kind of like oh yeah every like like every couple decades, they'll they'll do some superhero, like a little few superhero movies, like they did with Batman. There's been a, a couple iterations at this point. Spider Man, um, the the Spider Man was really like, I, I guess, kind of new. There might have been some other older stuff, but um, not yeah, well and known.
2: I, and I think like it's Superman
1: like- too. Um, yeah, I
2: think I think some of these like kind of what maybe set them apart is like like these ginormous budgets with like proper VFX yeah. and special effects budgets, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't feel kind of like so like it didn't feel like a movie, you know what I mean? Like it didn't feel like this like old school like golden days of Hollywood kind of film. Right. Um, it, it felt like it, it was it was a lot more um, like tangible of a of yeah. a movie
1: and modern like uh mm-hmm. like if you if you go back and watch like the like, if you go back and watch, like, the 89 Spider-Man or go back and watch, like, the 78 Superman, you're like, oh, yeah, that was made in 78. Or, yeah, that was definitely made in 89. Yeah. Um And so, now, like, now these I movies do, are definitely of their time, for yeah. sure. Now, I do have a
2: soft spot for the Clooney Batman movie. Oh, yeah.
1: The or Clooney both, one. Okay. Both of them. Yeah. Well, Clooney was only the one. He was, was only – um Well, didn't he do – wasn't
2: it Batman so
1: and then – uh, the Keaton was in the first two Burton ones. Well, then there's um, Batman and Robin, right? It was like Batman and Robin was uh, Val Kilmer. And then was oh, Clooney okay. was in uh, no Clooney was Batman and Robin. Uh, Val Kilmer was Batman forever. With, whatever, uh, Jim one, whatever one,
2: whatever uh, one Schwarzenegger was in is the one I'm yeah, talking about. That was about. Batman
1: and Robin.
0: Yes. Okay. Clooney. Then
2: I really yeah. like that one. I still do. <laughs> it's, it's definitely yeah. a guilty pleasure movie, but I, I do enjoy it.
1: Yeah. That, uh, that would definitely be considered guilty pleasure based on like ratings of it.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And, but it just, it felt the most like comic booky. like it was just so over the top. Yeah. I don't know. It's cheesy in the best way.
1: Fun fact about that one. um, They paid Schwarzenegger uh, a ton of money to only be in scenes where you could see his face. So like, if you can't see Schwarzenegger's face, then it's not him. Oh man. That's awesome. (laughs) that was like the only way he would do it. He was like, I'll I'll, sh- I'll shoot the close-up scenes <laughs> and then I'm out. Um so good. Yeah. Uh I guess he could do that at that point in his career. Oh for um, sure. But yeah, uh yeah, so this uh Dark Knight comes out in 08, um mm-hmm. which is the same year as Iron Man. So really it's like the beginning of the MCU. Man, okay. Um uh so I I think Iron Man came out in like uh it came out like maybe in the spring um probably like April or March or May somewhere in there and then this came out um in the summer um mm-hmm. so it yeah you really end up with like two trajectories the one being like the MCU spiraling out of the success of Iron Man mm-hmm. um and then like the um the poor like attempts at dark superhero movie making that spiral out of the dark night, mm-hmm. which is funny because the dark Knight is still considered like by the vast majority of people like to be the best superhero movie of all time, and yet like it, yeah, yeah, I mean there's it's hard to argue with it um but yeah it, Yet, like the trajectory of movies that came out of it were probably like went downhill, whereas the ones that came out of Iron Man, which in its own right is a great movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, really took off. Um, I just I don't know. I just kind of find that ironic that. Yeah,
2: I didn't know. I didn't realize that. I thought Iron Man was like quite a bit later. I thought it was like 2010 or 2011 or something. But it's crazy. Yeah, here no, it's it's 08. 08.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it is crazy to think about that. because um, yeah uh 08 was iron man and then like they kind of amped it up each year following that and then 2012 was the first avengers um movie and so like you Mm -hmm. really it was kind of like an exponential growth every year like from 08 to 2012 uh because they started like pumping out more and more of those movies so that they could work up to the avengers uh yeah i remember that 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 whole era was like such a fun time to be into movies oh yeah for sure Mm. um yeah that it was it was it was a fun time but the this movie really like stands out amongst all of that as just something totally like different and unique and special um yeah uh you know so obviously Nolan had made Batman Begins he threw in uh you know you got the Joker card mm-hmm. reveal at the very end people freaked out um like oh they're going to do Joker um and uh but Nolan like honestly uh like if you if you read like interviews he was like he did that um it it wasn't like it he didn't do it with the same intention that like you get a lot of post credit scenes from Marvel movies these mm-hmm. days. Like that wasn't really his intention. It was just kind of like a, like this, this, this is just the beginning of Batman. There's, it's kind of like that idea. Yeah. He, like, he meant for it to be like a self-contained origin story. Not, yeah, not
0: his
2: right. intention
1: to be like the beginning of
2: this a whole franchise. Yeah. Or yeah. Whatever.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he, um, so he was, he's, you know, he's kind of like innately resistant to doing a sequel, which you, like, you could probably see with the, like, with the way his career has gone, like before that. And since he's like very interested in making like original stuff. I mean, I don't know, man, I'm still um, waiting on
2: the sequel to interstellar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man.
1: With, you uh, imagine? yeah. With, um, Matthew McConaughey, I don't know. What would he be like? Stuck. Just the whole movie is just Matthew McConaughey stuck in the um, uh, the whatchamacallit call it? Where yeah, the, the, the the black little... hole? With, yeah, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. The tesseract. Yeah, stuck yeah, in yeah. the tesseract. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, I wrote down this quote. Um, that'll that'll clear that up. Nolan said, um, we wanted to suggest possibilities for how the story would continue, not because we were going to make a a sequel. So it was just kind of this idea of like, you know, this is the movies called Batman begins. This is just like his beginning. And like, they just wanted to suggest, Mm -hmm. okay, like everyone knows who the Joker is. Let's throw the Joker card in so that you can see, like, this is the beginning of Batman. Now things are about to get real. Um, for him. It wasn't like to suggest like, now we're going to do a Batman movie with Joker. It was just kind of like for the ending of the story purposes. Um, Yeah. And and sidebar on that, um, the, the
2: Batman, like the newer one with uh, Robert Mm -hmm. Pattinson and stuff. And I I know like the Joker is like the biggest villain in the Batman universe, but like just for them to do the same thing more or less in that movie, just kind of irked me a little bit which i that, thought it was a great movie but like it just it doesn't touch
1: yeah the dark knight I, trilogy for me i i loved that movie um and um it's honestly for me it was it comes very close to the dark knight um as far as like how good i think it is um like Object- all around objectively, yeah yeah um but that scene is the one thing that's like would keep me from saying it's as quite as good as the dark knight because it's like what is this like terrible throw-in of the joker yeah um but yeah uh i obviously like nolan was interested in doing the joker um but um one of the so one of the things that i thought i think is very cool about the way nolan did this trilogy is um he was able to like make the studio hold off and let the ideas and the, the movie and mm-hmm. like the anticipation, like simmer. Um, and really like every time he finished one of these, like he, when he finished Batman begins and then when he finished dark Knight, like it was kind of up in the air of like, is he actually going to do another one? Um, mm-hmm. And so like this, it seems like he was more willing to do the dark Knight, and then like, kind of like against kind of like really resistant to doing Dark Knight Rises but then ended up kind of giving in but he but you know he comes out with these pretty like ambitious movies in between each of these um, dark Knight movies um, and so just like just that idea that like he's I don't know he has the he has the trust of the studio to be like okay like maybe I'll do another one but I'm gonna make what I want to make first and um, and let the, the kind of ideas from the last movie simmer. Yeah. His, his
2: just kind of thinking on his timing of everything that you, you brought attention to that, like his production schedule must've been ridiculous. Cause like 05 mm-hmm. Batman begins 06 prestige 08, the dark night 2010 mm-hmm. inception 2012, the dark yeah. night rises like the dude just right. like did not stop working because yeah. movies, I mean, they take months, sometimes years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Between I mean between like um so like Inception and the Dark Knight are probably his his longest times like actually in production. Mm-hmm. Um both of those were probably I, well I know this one, um because I have it sitting in my notes is like seven months of production and shooting. Um and, and, and that's not Inception counting was similar. Yeah, and yeah, that's not
2: counting pre production either. Right. And like planning that's and not- writing and, and scheduling right. and hiring
1: and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, post production too, you have um so i mean, yeah it it's you spend a long time making these movies um mm-hmm. and um, but with this one um and I wanna say it was a similar thing with the Dark Knight Rises, he actually um kind of gets his brother Jonathan mm-hmm. um goes by Jonah uh for the family um he got so basically he's in pre production for the prestige he's getting ready to start shooting the prestige and he's like okay like jonah i want to make i think i'm going to do this uh
2: movie he ends up writing quite a few of christopher's screenplays right Mm -hmm. like he'll do a lot of the writing and then christopher will come like supervise and produce and direct right
1: right and and nolan does like he does have a hand in the the scripts for basically everything like um like jonathan wrote the prestige too um but nolan like added some stuff back in and like, um, mm-hmm. you know, made his adjustments. Yeah, Ultimately it's his um, movie, right? Right.
2: It's just, Jonas is kind of doing a lot of that legwork, kind of working as a, as a partner with him.
1: Yeah. And he, he, you know, it's his brother. And so he knows him. And so he, he kind of, you know, trusts him to, mm-hmm. to, to write the movie in the way that like, you know, Jonah knows his brother too, so he knows like this is how my this is a movie that my brother would want to direct and, and could do well. Um so yeah, he he basically gets Jonah to work on the script for this while he's making the prestige. Um and uh yeah it's it's um basically like they took um they took a few ideas like so one would be like At the end of Batman Begins, you know, Gordon kind of suggests this escalation of things now that Batman is kind of like out there. And so they they take that idea of escalation and like Batman is a Batman Begins is a very like personal film for Bruce and Batman. Mm -hmm. And this one, you know, is already like escalated a, a good bit. Like I think it's I think it's supposed to be set. Uh, around like nine months to a year after yeah it's not begins. super long after
2: but it's kind of yeah. enough to like for the the world or at least gotham to realize like what has happened and kind of digest right. that for a little while yeah and so and you kind of see the the telltale signs of everybody being like super on edge it's like i mm-hmm. i don't i don't like it tonight man it was, that one guy said it's like yeah. it's like what you have more chance of running uh, winning the powerball than running into him yeah and yeah so it, it's a cool dynamic
1: it's, it's escalated um they they ran with that idea um and, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, before he, I think before he even took it, Jonah, I think he did do talks. Uh, he did a few months of talks with, uh, David Goyer, who was the, the co writer with, with Chris Nolan for Batman Begins. Gotcha. Um, so they, so, so if you like look at the credits, um, I think Chris and Jonathan have the right, the screenplay credit, but Chris and, david goyer have the story credit um which is like a a whole like i don't know it's it's like you know i guess it's one of those things it's like when you actually write the script you're putting the story to paper but you can still get story credit i don't know yeah um, like a
2: the, the screenplay, like I would, I would imagine, like actually has all the like the actor notes and all that kind of stuff, like the actual yeah. like what you see in the script, more so than just like the, the if you were to read a book of it, which would be like kind of like the story. But there's so much minutia and all of the like the Hollywood crediting system. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah, they, they want to make sure everybody
1: gets paid. Oh yeah, for sure uh but yeah so after after kind of nolan and goyer kind of get the i guess the framework of the story kind of nailed down i think i read that they had kind of had all the like main beats kind of on written on index cards (laughs) perfect i guess he i guess Nolan was like here john and like toss the index cards at him it's like i'm gonna go make prestige now (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. Uh, but yeah one of the one of the things i think they decided like um it, during the writing, uh, was that they were going to name it The Dark Knight, which is really like when you think about it, a pretty ballsy move. Um, to take Batman out of the title of the Batman movie. Um, yeah, for sure. It, I guess I never thought know, about it, that because up to this point, like every, everything Batman has Batman in the title, whether yeah, it's like shows or movies or comics, usually even. Now that uh-huh. you're saying that I am kind of
2: like remembering the the hype around that name, just, uh-huh. just the thought of it alone. I was like, Oh yeah. Like this is weird. Like I know what it is because I saw like the trailer or like just like the iconography and the typeface right. and all that kind of stuff. And you see like directed by Christopher Nolan, it's like, Oh, okay. There's this more Batman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that is a very interesting thing. And to also have it be the most successful of the trilogy,
0: mm-hmm. just,
2: I don't know. Maybe it's just the intrigue that it caused. Um, I yeah. mean that's that's definitely not the only factor, but that's, that's kind of a cool uh, thing to yeah. point out.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things where Nolan, Nolan has a tendency to do this. So you kind of flip something on its head and, you know, because something's done, things are done in Hollywood a certain way because they work to a certain degree, you mm-hmm. know, there there's formulas and ways that things are done because generally they work but Nolan has this way of like flipping things on their head and it's still like working out like even better than it would have otherwise and this is one of those like small examples of that like okay like the formula is have batman in the title because that's what sells mm-hmm. uh but i'm going to flip that on its head and name the movie something um, that like suggests Batman, but doesn't have Batman in the title. Um, and it's going to be the most successful superhero movie of all time. Yeah. You know? Do you
2: know if that was like one of the, the nicknames for Batman in like the comic series? Like, did they pull yeah. that from
1: anywhere? Um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, he's, he's referred to as, as that in, in various places. Like there's, um, there's uh the Dark Knight Returns, co- like comic. Mm-hmm. um that's a pretty like, i feel like i read one. that somewhere before i
2: just was making um, sure
1: yeah like dark knight returns is a is a comic arc where um batman's like old um mm-hmm. and he's like having to kind of return to action because something comes up um yeah so so it's definitely that i i want to say those comics were like 80s somewhere mm-hmm. in the 80s um uh I'm, you know somebody that might that might get mad at me for getting this wrong but i'm pretty sure it's frank miller um but you know you can just like at me i guess afterwards if i got that wrong
2: uh uh, um,
1: batman twitter or whatever (laughs) a quick uh, google reveals
2: detective comics number 45 um is where he was first called the dark knight
1: okay so that's really early on Mm -hmm. um a year and a half after his first appearance yeah yeah because you know detective comics was his first like comics it wasn't called batman's was detective comics Bef- um, yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah um yeah and one of th- so another thing that i really like that they did with this kind of that goes that kind of goes along with the the writing of the screenplay is um and it starts with batman begins obviously but nolan is more interested in like Writing good characters and story than he is in like the fan service, which is mm-hmm. where I think a lot of modern superhero movies kind of go wrong, like you've gotta have like the reveal of this character, and you've gotta have like um you know the post credit scene where you you show this character might be in the next movie, mm-hmm. and no one's like totally doesn't care about <laughs> like any of that stuff yeah He's as just long like, as the story's good, right. Yeah. And even like, um, like if you look about, if you look at interviews and and stuff with Nolan, he even talks about the Joker. He was interested in the Joker, not because he was like the Joker's like a great villain, which he wouldn't deny that he is, but Mm -hmm. he was interested in a Joker because he was thinking about what he wanted to do with like the Bruce Wayne Batman, like character arc. And the Joker, he felt like was the best villain to do that arc with, like to mm-hmm. to follow that story along with. So, um, you know, it's doing the Joker wasn't some like gimmick to get yeah. butts and seats, it, even though it did it and absolutely you think, did.
2: But. And, and I f- totally feel like Nolan could have taken any Batman villain and kind of like humanized him, like he did in these movies. Like these movies felt very like plausible. Mm -hmm. but do you think that the joker is like maybe the most plausible to exist in real life character out of all the batman villains and like that's maybe why he was drawn to him because it it felt maybe the most moldable to fit his his story
1: yeah it, it it probably has something to do with that you know uh you know there's obviously iterate there's a lot of different iterations of the joker and so a lot of the iterations have you know his his skin is white because he fell in some chemicals sort of <laughs> thing or whatever. Or he has all kinds of different origins or non-origins. Um, but yeah, he definitely like the way the Joker operates feels pretty grounded in re like it could be grounded in reality, which does match what the nolans were trying to do with this screenplay, which is like let's take we already like took a step forward with like grounding a comic book movie in reality with Batman begins, mm-hmm. but they decided to like take it a step further. Um, you know, Batman begins has a lot of set pieces like Gotham set pieces um, that were built. You know, one of them was built in a big, you know, air hang, old air hangar in mm-hmm. outside of London. Um, and this movie is just Chicago. It's mostly, like yeah, there's not, um, there's not any like Gotham set pieces in this movie, uh, any stuff they do in studio is just because like, um, uh, they got to grab some green screen stuff or whatever. Um, but anything like on the streets is just, it's literally just Chicago. And fun fact, I was in Chicago yesterday. Um, yeah, I just got I back. I saw from- some, I was seeing your uh, Instagram story and I was like. I think Houston's in Chicago. <laughs> I, I did it just for the podcast, man,
2: just to have yeah. reference images. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I had a marketing conference out there, but I was like, I'm going to go under the subway, like where he crashes Lamborghini and stuff. Yeah, and like, yeah. oh, I got to take all the pictures. And I didn't, I didn't do like a whole like photo tour thing. I just kind of like snapped some pictures of like what I thought was like, oh, like maybe they shot this here or like kind of just yeah. admiring the scenery and stuff. And I, I've been there a few times. I mean, definitely mm-hmm. since the movie was shot. But it was just kind of a cool thought because like i had this on my like this this uh podcast on my brain at the moment and Uh i was like oh yeah i have to like pay extra special attention to like all this kind of stuff and like look at the skyline and look at the the city and the subways (laughs) and all that kind of stuff so um i think it was from what i remember maybe in some old behind the scenes stuff like i know that predominantly was chicago and you can obviously see that in the movie but i think Mm -hmm. some of it may have been new
1: york and then they had like the, the whole hong kong scene as well Yeah, there was, um, I think there was like a couple of things shot in New York and London. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I didn't look up, I didn't try to like do research into like the percentage. Um, Yeah, Yeah. But like, if you, if you like, you go to IMDB and like go to the filming location section and kind of scroll through, like you'll see some stuff in London and I think there might be one New York. Um, I can't remember if there is or not, honestly, um, but, uh, if you scroll through, like, you just keep seeing like Chicago, Chicago, mm-hmm. Chicago, and then like, there'll be like London or Hong Kong, like pepper- obviously like the Hong Kong scenes are in Hong Kong for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, but there'll yeah, be t- like some London peppered in. Yeah.
2: To your point um, though, like it is really cool that they use a lot of just like on location, real, mm-hmm. like actual yeah. built cities. Like they didn't, it, it added to the realism of it because it, it kind yeah. of grounded it and made it feel, even though it's quote unquote Gotham, it made it feel more relatable because it's so like legitimately real
1: yeah yeah and part of what they like so one of the things that really like no one was interested in is doing like the the city as um like the i guess like the synthesis as like city and myth um or like a city and legend uh, like a legend Um, Mm -hmm. um he so like in the back of his mind kind of making this movie, he had um, Michael Mann's heat, which is like very much an LA crime story. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, one of the things he loved about heat was how like the city was very much a part of the city, the story and the whole story was like contained in LA. So you have a lot of LA movies where like LA is a big part, but like they're going here, they're going there or, whatever um but he is like like contained mm-hmm. um there in la and that's kind of the feel he wanted he wanted it to be like like really like it ends up being sort of a i mean it's a gotham but it like it feels like a chicago movie yeah um,
2: and that's one of my nitpicks about the whole marvel versus dc universe like thing is that like marvel is grounded in in anything that's on earth at least is like real. <laughs> it's like a based mm-hmm. on a real place, like Spider-Man's from New York and right. all this kind of stuff. But then like you have Superman from quote unquote Metropolis. And then you have yeah. Batman from Gotham. And yeah. I mean, obviously they're like alien planets and stuff in both universes, but um, I do prefer that aspect of Marvel better. Cause it's easy to kind of visualize things that way.
1: Right. Right. And I think that's maybe what, um, maybe what like Nolan was trying to do here is like, mm-hmm. okay, like Gotham has always been this, like what, city is it exactly um and he was he was like let's ground this even more in reality because like gotham has always had like aspects of several like big american cities um but chicago and i think he even said like something that he liked obviously like he grew up half of his life at chicago um uh him and his his brother his brother went to school that's where his brother went yeah, to high school.
2: Doesn't he have like one British parent and one American parent or something like that? Yeah. And so like, he yeah, was kind of m- like
1: his mom is from the Chicago area. And so gotcha. they kind of went back and forth his whole childhood. Um Yeah. So Chicago means something to him that way, but he he kind of talks about how something he likes about Chicago is that it's not quite as like recognizable as New York city <laughs> or LA. Like, if you watch a movie and you see like the streets of New York, you're like, "That's New York City" or "That's L.A." Um, but Chicago is a has a little bit le- like it. I think it more. It's becoming more and more recognizable, but um, it, it it's it's just like,
2: not as used. Like New yeah. York is used for everything. L.A. is used everything, for every yeah. like no, everybody knows the Hollywood sign in, in mm-hmm. L.A. and Hollywood, and everybody knows Times Square and the Empire State Building, and the Hudson and right. all that kind of stuff in New York. So yeah, yeah, I totally see yeah. that.
1: Yeah. And, and so, you know, he, he really takes that, the Chicagoness of it and runs with it. Um, and then, too, like, he even, it, well, like, just stay on that for one more second. Like, one of the things that I think it does is it brings, like, um, uh, like a weight to the city and a, uh, kind of depth to it. Not even in, not even in the sense of, like, um, like thematic depth, depth, but like I think literal depth. So like we'll talk more about like those IMAX shots of the city. But like if you compare like some of the shots, even just going back to like Batman, like there's there's maybe one or two shots in Batman Begins where you really feel like the depth of a city because mm-hmm. they did shoot on like sound stages that were built sets and stuff a lot more. Um, well, and so with this one you have all those shots of the city and you see like literal depth you're like mm-hmm. oh this is
2: it's it's hard to fake
1: for sure it's the city that i'm in um like it, even like if you think back to like the 89 bat, like the tim burton batmans mm-hmm. those were like very stylized and very obviously like set like mm-hmm. built on sound stages and there's like not depth to that like you you don't watch those and feel like, man, this is a a wide, expansive, like huge city that mm-hmm. this is taking place in, and you feel like that in this movie because of that groundedness. Um, but, um, but yeah, then I mean, you also have like other things that ground it in reality. You you kind of get rid of the Batcave and Wayne Manor. Um, mm-hmm. You know that the explosion of Wayne Manor was an excuse for them to like even around it. it even more um you know he has his little underground bunker and um he's in a penthouse. and you have a lot of stuff happening on like business suites in chicago mm-hmm. buildings and stuff um
2: fun fact a uh a, a youtuber uh, unbox therapy owns that space now okay <laughs> and so like you just see bruce wayne's bunker in every youtube video he does these days it's hilarious that's cool with all, the I mean, I don't actually know where where he is. I think he's in Toronto. Okay. Um, I know he's Canadian. I don't know if he's currently based there, um, but it's also been used for like music videos and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the same like endless like tiled lights, lights oh, across the cool. ceiling and just concrete. And he just set up a unboxing YouTube channel in there. I'm like, first time I saw it, I was like, hey, <laughs> that's super weird looking. Yeah. I mean, I mean it looks amazing, but it was such a, yeah. like a weird, like dissonance in my brain of I like of
1: expect to see the tumbler, like driving, yeah. driving through the background. <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, but yeah, um, like getting into to influences, we've, we've kind of like been touching around this. Like I, I mentioned Michael Mann's heat, which you have the city influences of, but you also have like, um, uh, some other like homages to heat, which, um, like, so there's the two, there's the bank robbery scene that it opens with. Mm -hmm. That's very much an homage to, um, a couple of different sequences in, in heat. Um, actually I had not seen heat and had wanted to for a long time. And so I used research for this as an excuse to finally watch it. There you go. I've I've never seen it. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible movie. It's, it's even longer than than Dark Knight, um Jeez, which is okay. saying something. Um so I watched it broken up. I, I watch a lot of movies kind of broken up just because, you know, I have two young kids and mm-hmm. it's like uh I'll watch an hour of the movie after I put the kids to get bed before I go to bed, sort of thing. Yeah, and committing to pick it up. Three hours for a movie is kind of a tall order yeah, these days. It is. And so um I, I just kind of it's not the ideal way to watch a movie, but it's um but I Like, it works for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, it's, you even have, like, so you have these homages to the action sequences in Heat. Um, And then uh, you also have, like, uh, so in Heat, you have Robert De Niro, um, who's the bank robber, and Al Pacino, who's the detective. And they're kind of, like, these equal but opposite, like, opposing forces. Um, Mm -hmm. And they kind of, like, mirror each other. Um, in a way, um, that like, really like you kind of feel with Batman and Joker, like the way that they're kind of equal opposite forces that mirror each other mm-hmm. in, uh, in these, in like their goals and what they're wanting to do. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it def like you, if you watch heat in this back to back, like I did, you're like, okay, yeah, there's definitely like a lot of heat. Okay in this movie. Um, but then too, like, um, you have a lot of other influences, like, um, like we mentioned New York. So obviously this is a Chicago movie, but he, he was, he, he takes like influence from like some New York movies that are very grounded in the city too, like, Mm -hmm. um, dog day afternoon with another Pacino, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, the French connection, I've never seen either of those. Um, so I was going to say, I think I need to, up
2: uh, kind of culture myself on some Pacino movies. I yeah, haven't seen yeah. either of them either.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do need to watch some more Pacino to be honest, uh, myself, but yeah, you, and then like, um, the, so one of the things that Nolan loves is, uh, Mies van der Rohe is a architect that built a lot of like the modernist Chicago buildings um and Mm -hmm. so like that style he really likes like capturing um and you know the big the big like open windows um stuff is like uh Rose stuff that he uses and and some of like the stuff that shot interior looking out yeah Um, okay and then yeah and so like um Yeah, he's he's kind of able to work in like some of those Chicago things that he liked as like influences for the aesthetic.
2: And and especially since he's still like, like you said, like on location, it's not a soundstage. Like it just adds to that, that kind of immersion and realism to where you can actually see the cityscape behind it. And it's just Mm kind of like, I mean, you can't like make the city stop. So you just kind of have to see like cars and people in the background, like kind of in a distance and other buildings just kind of existing. So it's it's a it's a cool vibe. Oh, yeah.
1: And then like uh, as far as other influences, which we'll have to like uh hit this real quick and uh and move on because we'll talk about Joker a lot more uh for sure in just a bit uh but there are like so there's influences for Joker for both Nolan and ledger um that i that I found in research so for for nolan um he took uh influence from like the very first iteration of the Joker um in in the fort like the 40s comics who was based on uh the man who laughs um which is an old uh movie um the kind of i guess the kind of atmosphere of oh, okay, um, yeah. of who the joker was um kind of like what kind of person he was the um the man who laughs is a big influence and then uh fritz lang is a german director he had um he had a couple of movies, um, based on this character, Dr. Mabuse, who's kind of like this, um, semi insane kind of guy that's kind of, um, you know, behind a lot of, uh, going like crazy stuff goings on in the city. Um, and then, um, the third thing that Nolan, Nolan actually like had was interested in Francis Bacon going all the way back to his, um, high school days but francis bacon was a like a irish british um mm-hmm. painter who painted these like really like disturbing mm-hmm. images of people's like distorted faces and um really like if like if you uh if you have access right now to like your phone or, or any google yeah, yeah. Like, i'm i'm looking all this up in real time as we're talking yeah but yeah if you're listening like just google francis bacon and it's like well, these are disturbing Mm -hmm. images. Um, And Francis Bacon, like, very, like, famously, um, he, like, uh, didn't clean um, up his, like, studio space. So it was just, like, cluttered with, like, mess. And that was, like, his inspiration. Like, Mm -hmm. he would use, like, the mess and the chaos of his studio space as inspiration for, like, his paintings, which were just, like, bizarre. Yeah, if you look them up, they're, they're just bizarre. Um and so like all of that kind of like melded into like his inspiration of what he wanted to do a Joker. And then Ledger, um, which we'll 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 talk more about like how he got um casted and stuff later, but um Ledger um took it upon himself to like find his own influence. So he he took influence from Alice Cooper. Um I think he had like a um a like a mood board that he had made with uh with like images. Hmm. Um, so I think he had like some Francis Bacon on there because Nolan had mentioned it. And then he had like Alice Cooper and Sid Vicious <laughs> from the Sex nice. Pistols. Um, And then another big one was um Alex from A Clockwork Orange, mm-hmm. which if you ever seen any images from A Clockwork Orange, like, you know who Alex is. Cause yeah, yeah, for sure. He's, he's a guy which I've never seen A Clockwork Orange, but I've seen some clips. Me neither. I'm an, kind of afraid to. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know about it, um, to be honest. Um, I heard it's really, like, just disturbed yeah. and really
2: heavy on the sexual content and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that just kind of, like, unhinged kind of character he really pulled inspiration from. Um, and then even, like, uh, one of the things that I, that I liked, he, he kind of watched a lot of, like, Chaplin, uh, like Charlie hmm. Chaplin and Buster Keaton to kind of, like pick up on their body language and their body movement which like you really see um so yeah i, I guess that so. was kind of like in the back of my mind when i was watching this time and like so one of the things that jumps out is like when he rolls out of like the semi truck after mm-hmm. it flips like just the way he like rolls out of it and kind of stumbles about and like is walking uh uh it was like it was very much like early st- slapstick comedy kind of style of body yeah movement. and then like
2: like how he plays with like his jacket too. And like the scene where he first talks to the, like the, the Falcone like crime syndicate yeah, yeah. family. And he has, he's like kind of like tugging on his jacket with the, the cord to the grenades
0: mm-hmm, and stuff. Yeah.
2: And he's he's very playful and kind of like, just kind of like cheeky with it almost. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's very much. Um, it's like that uh, kind of self-aware, um, but like clumsy way of like holding your body. Yeah. And like, um, he, that, like
2: he knows he's playing a character. Like mm-hmm. it, it's Heath Ledger playing a character, playing a character.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, Joker is very much like, um, a, a theatrical presence mm-hmm. like For sure. that's that he's putting on. Um, or maybe that he just is at that point, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other influences that we could talk about, but, um, but just getting into the production, um, I mentioned, you know, this was seven months of shooting. So you, you've got a long period of shooting and, um, he's working with, uh, $185 million budget, which is a huge budget. Um, I think it's a, yeah, it's definitely his biggest, um, budget. I can't, I would have to look up. I, I, I didn't I look up if it like, was his biggest ever, but I think it might be.
2: I would imagine um, like maybe interstellar may have been just because of all the visual effects and stuff.
1: Maybe. Um, but, but I mean, yeah, interstellar even was, um, like, yes, I don't think it had any CGI. Stuff. Like I know inception was like 160. So a little less, still a huge budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, oh. Now I'm stuck. My oh, Interstellar definitely has CGI. I
2: remember the whole like story about the the black hole generation, and like you went to this like oh, yeah, yeah. scientific, um, like institute or like a school or something mm-hmm. like that, and they spent like hours and hours and hours, and like yeah. I think I saw the figure. It was like so many hundreds of years of computer rendering time to like make that movie possible. <laughs> so like they had to like send it out to like this big farm and stuff. But that's that's a I'm not doing yeah. that movie, but I would love to. <laughs> that's another one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah it's it's definitely coming down the line um but yeah yeah i mean like we said we you've got stuff shot in chicago over 6 i mean you're over 7 months you're going between chicago and ha- i mean imagine like he, he's like uh i want to get um i want to get some shots in in Hong Kong. So let's take our like team of a hundred people. Let's fly us all out to Hong Kong. That's, and all that's of our so wild. But
2: then to have a budget that just says yes to that kind of stuff is, yeah. is such a crazy concept to me.
1: Yeah. And this was, so one of the things that like helps is this was like the kind of um, beginnings of like, Hey, let's shoot some of our movie in China so that our movie will sell like more in China sort of thing. Um, this was kind of like the beginnings of that, kind of studio way of mm. thinking um was during this period and so um so that probably helped that the studios were starting to think in that way and we're like okay yeah we'll give you some money to go out there because then our movie will like make more money in china because there's stuff shot in china mm-hmm. um which makes makes sense like that you know, I mean, the Chinese government is probably like way less likely to like shut down your movie if you like shoot some stuff in their, in their country. <laughs> um, it's a good thought. But, uh, yeah. Um, it's like marketing. Um But yeah, no one was able to get those. But yeah, the, I mean, the cinematography is, in this movie is, it really is just incredible. Um The shots of, of Chicago, um, there's like several just like iconic, incredible shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like the shot of Hong Kong of like Christian bell standing on that building. Mm-hmm. is just like an incredible shot. His, his helicopter shots are like
2: wild. Yeah. To me, they, yeah, they, they look like, um, they look like, like old school, like nature documentaries kind of mm-hmm. like when, like you can see like the camera with the really long lens yep. on top of the helicopter, like chasing down like a pack of like cheetahs, like running across like the African Savannah somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it kind of gives that, like, big grandiose kind of feel to it.
1: Yeah, and part of it is because he's using the IMAX camera.
2: That's, um, uh, that's what he's a fan yeah. of, for sure.
1: Yeah, and so a lot of people may not realize this, but The Dark Knight is the first, like, narrative film that used IMAX. Um, like, you can go look, like, everything up to this point was just nature documentaries. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. You, huh. you can go look it up. It's um, now, I don't know if there's like any like really short stuff that was made in IMAX, but it's the first like narrative feature for sure that ever had was shot. That's crazy. Uh, and now it's just like a, with IMAX. It's just like a choice. Some directors make like, I mean, a lot of them are, yeah. are using their, their Aries and stuff, but. Um,
2: right.
1: Yeah. There's um, there's, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it cause we did a IMAX movies draft um, in the, in the, overview episode, but, um, but there's, uh, there's now like digital cameras that are like IMAX certified, um, that a lot of like Marvel movies or have some, yeah. The, elec- the Alexa, the Alexa, now Alexa 65 LF is probably mm-hmm.
2: one of the few. Yeah, that's,
1: that's one of them. There's probably um, a Panasonic
2: um, uh, what's it? Uh, Panavision.
1: Uh, um, yeah, there's a pan, the Panavision has one. There's a, um, there's a Sony one now. Um, Venice probably hmm yep man you're... you even you know what you're talking about oh yeah i'm, I'm exactly a i'm a them. super
2: cinema <laughs> camera nerd yeah um but yeah, yeah the, sony those... venice and like is up there with like the reds and right. the aries and stuff that are all mm-hmm. like pretty close to film actually i think red's latest claim or aries latest claim on one of their newest cameras it it actually exceeds the dynamic range of film which is crazy it's like yeah. the first time that's ever happened in the in the digital world yeah um
1: it's hard. Is is it one of those things where like you can claim that, but you, there's no way to actually measure it? No, so, that, like that, I know that's measurable. Okay, I was just wondering because like I know when you talk about like um, like vinyl versus like um, digital audio, there's not really a way to like measure and compare <laughs> the the sound quality between the two.
2: No, there there um, is there are specialized tools um, that okay. you can like give known values for certain steps of or stops of light is what it's known as. Okay. Um, And so every time you can see a clean stop of light from a singular point um, in both directions, either darker or brighter, that's a degree of dynamic range or a stop of dynamic range. And so Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I think uh, I want to say the human eye is like somewhere around like 20 to 25 or something like that. And then like my camera, like my photo camera is like 15 and then Mm -hmm. like a nice, $100,000 $100,000 airy cinema cameras, like 17 now, yeah. which is like nearing what film can do or even surpassing in some areas, which yeah. is crazy. So I'm I'm sure that like, yeah, I mean, IMAX shoots in a very specific type of film format of the 65 millimeter film. Right. Um, and I think sometimes 70, which is maybe what Oppenheimer
1: so was shot on. No, it's so like, it's a weird thing. Like it's it, the film is actually 65 millimeter, but when they make the prints, it's 70. Okay. Um, they upscale I don't a little really. Bit, I guess. Yeah. Um. So, like, the prints that go out that that are actually like rolled through the reels in theaters mm-hmm. are like the are seventy millimeter. But the actual like what's what the camera is shooting on is sixty five. Um. I'm not really sure why that is, but that yeah. that kind and, of came up in my in my like quick internet research when I was when I was looking into that.
2: Yeah. And so like the ARIE 65 LF is meant to mimic a 65 millimeter sensor size or like a film right, right. frame size on a digital camera. Yeah. And so the bigger that sensor is, the more light it can let through, the clearer mm-hmm. the image, the bigger lenses, the fancier lenses, high resolution lim- lenses and stuff, you can kind of stick on the camera to get um, a better image quality or closer yeah. to real life. And that's why I've heard Nolan say that like, he prefers IMAX because it looks the most similar to human vision and right, yeah. it does all these like crazy things with like, like what they call like the 3d pop in mm-hmm. in film where it like the contrast is just right. And you can like kind of tell depth better on the film. Right. Even though it's a 2d format.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And it, it has that, um, it has like that shallow depth of focus that mimics, um, the human eye too. Where yeah. like, yeah, the bigger,
2: the format, the, easier it is to get a shallow depth of field.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, which I, you know, is all like all that kind of language. I'm kind of like growing in my knowledge of, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll like, I dip my toes in it, but I don't understand it as much as like people that actually like work with it. Um, but it is very interesting to me. Like that idea, like I'm, um, I'm doing like a, Uh, faith uh, in film small group at my church. And I'm watching like Citizen Kane, which is very famously like one of the movies that popularized like the deep focus filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, and then like, I don't know, just like contrasting what you get with that deep focus uh, where like, everything's kind of in focus with like um, these like, you know, headshots in IMAX where like, pretty much just like the person right in front of the camera is the only thing in focus. Um, you know, yeah. th- just like what you, like the feel that you get from the different, like what you, what you can do like cinematography wise and communicate with those different ways of like filming is, is like very interesting. Um,
2: yeah, I watched a, um, uh, a, a, an in-depth thing with the, I'm, I'm skipping on his name, but the director of photography for Joker like the the Joaquin Phoenix one Mm -hmm. and that movie was shot on the alexa 65 lf yeah and they he actually used like some old like vintage nikon glass and like some other like cool like cinema lenses and stuff but some with very um wide apertures that produced very thin depth of field so like Mm -hmm. even more on that one like that's probably the most like crazy thin super blurry background thin depth of field like for contrast um even compared to like some of these nolan ones yeah. Uh, so in terms of like cinematography that one that that movie is off the charts in terms of cinematography. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's um it's one of those things like that you really like either have to be really into like analyzing uh film like I am, like that I I have no experience like working with cameras or anything, but I'm just into uh you know, analyzing film mm-hmm. uh and then like or like someone like you that like works with cameras a lot um and kind of has to be knowledgeable about them so you know how to use them well. Um yeah, it, for sure. Like otherwise like people are just like enjoying the movie. But like I think subconsciously like when you see the so like I watch this on my, you know, I have a 50 inch TV. It's not anything huge. Mm-hmm. Um but like watching this on Blu ray just on my fifty inch TV, when you when you switch from, you know, the the kind of wide cinemascope um shots which most of the film is in the 35 um you know millimeter stuff um to the imax shots where it, like it just all of a sudden like the screen is filled and the uh, it pops so much does it jump between
2: um, like black mm-hmm. bars and no black bars it does oh, man. I, see i miss that all the time because i'm just yeah. like so sucked into the story but that happens oh, that's way, a good thing that happens way more than you think it does too.
1: Yeah, especially with movies nowadays that are like doing a lot of sw- like they'll shoot stuff like um like no one no one started that like with this movie he started the whole like I'm gonna shoot this action set piece in IMAX and um and on on different cameras
2: too I think he used like three different ones for this movie
1: they had um yeah so they had like uh I think they were working with like three or four of the like. MSM, um, which is like the more lightweight. IMAX yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, cameras that, and then they had like the know,
2: huge Mark threes right. as well. Mm-hmm. I don't,
1: yeah, I think they, yeah, I think they might've had that for some stuff, but most of the time they were working like they were working in motion with them. So they were using like the lightweight ones.
2: Yeah. Cause I, um, I was going to comment on that. Um, cause I, I was like kind of trying to pay attention to that I, I rewatched the movie again last night just to kind of be extra fresh. But, mm-hmm. um, I noticed that during the action scenes, it's all very, like, first-person perspective. Like, you're, like, actually in the fights and stuff. Yes. And, like, the, the yeah. panning is, like, a lot more jarring. It's, like, on-the-shoulder rig kind of kind of vibe where you're, like, looking through the operator's eyes mm-hmm. almost. And, like, it's not, like, a particularly, like, t- close or tight shot. It's, like, very much, like, that 50 mil, like, human vision kind of uh, right. fi- field of view. Um, but yeah they're not afraid of motion they're not afraid of kind of like you missing a few things here and there because it's like mimicking your head kind of jerking back and forth going between these different points of of interest of like there's a punch that landed here but then a building exploded behind him so you have to like hurry up and look that way and it's just kind of it all kind of feels like one shot even though it's not which is i Mm -hmm. thought was really cool but then the the contrast is that they go back to their dollies and jibs and trucks and stuff right and all these like smooth pretty motions and helicopter shots during the mm-hmm. more like expositional uh point of the movie
1: yeah yeah like one of the things that stands out um that i noticed they there are a couple of times where they use like the 360 dolly um which uh which is becoming more more kind of a cliche uh to use um but the way nolan uses them one thing i appreciate about nolan is he it, like you'll have these ways of shooting that kind of can kind of just be like cliche ways of shooting in movies. Um, but he always he never does them without purpose. Yeah. So and like and there's the only so I'm,
2: many camera shots, too. Like, yeah, you, like yeah, you can only move it so many directions and variations on those directions. So you kind of have to, like, pick a lane at one point. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. But like, so one of the things I'm I'm thinking of is so like the Joker in the, the party for Dent. Uh, Mm -hmm. that that bruce throws um you get in part of that you get kind of like a 360 dolly shot kind of going around but like there's complete like purpose behind it which is you kind of are pulled into the chaos of what the joker's doing like the way the camera moves around him and like follows him in a three the 360 dolly thing as he's like moving around in between all the people Yeah, and you you can see people's faces and stuff you can kind of
2: see their reactions of of him walking in because correct me if i'm wrong but i want to say that when that scene was happening like they maybe like some people didn't know that he was about to walk into the scene or something when they shot i think i've heard that before and so like they wanted like a genuine reaction or that was the first scene that those people had seen him in full makeup i think that's what it was maybe so and yeah. so they were like this this is like their first reaction to like what it is and they just like wanted it to be super genuine which i really appreciate mm-hmm. i like i like when directors do that
1: kind of stuff yeah 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 so i mean yeah just like him shooting with purpose and then yeah man when it when it was it really stood out to me this time probably because i was like intentionally looking for it i was because i was thinking like okay I want to see like when it switches to IMAX and like mm-hmm. you go from like the, the cinema scope wide wide screen, which you got the black bars for. And then all of a sudden you're getting this like helicopter yes. shot of Chicago and it goes boom. Yeah. And you just see like the height of the city. Like you can see like, Oh man, like this is a huge city skies. Like you can see like whole skys- skyscrapers. Cause mm-hmm. it's, I mean, uh, what, are, what are the IMAX screens? They're like eight stories or something like that. The, the IMAX screens that they're big yeah they're big
2: um but yeah they're yeah. they're meant to be bigger than your standard field of vision so you have to like move your head right To like see that's the whole purpose is that you have to kind of like be immersed in it enough mm-hmm. to where like even by a few degrees you have to turn your head and eyes yeah. back and forth to see the whole image
1: yeah and w- wally fister the or feister i think he said Fe- i don't really know how i think it's, feister. it's pronounced yeah okay um so he he talked about um, in some of the behind the scenes and, in books that I'm reading, um, how like that was a challenge when they were shooting an IMAX because, um, there's parts where like, when you're getting the helicopter shots of the city, obviously like, it's not a big deal. Like, yeah, you're, you know, you don't have to worry about like where people's eyes are going to, unless there's like some action. Yeah, happening. Cause it's like a texture almost. Right. Um, but like in this, and so, but when they're going like, following the Joker and his like minions around the bank. Like those are shot in IMAX too. And like, you really have to, you really have to like block out the scenes um, and like have people moving where you need them to move um, really well, because it is such a big expansive uh, yeah. you know, screen aspect ratio that like, you want to make sure that people's like, vision is drawn to the right spot at the right time so that they're getting like the action that they need to see um and not missing anything
2: yeah and that that use of those IMAXs uh with the ability to get really shallow like fields of focus like Mm -hmm. can like focus is a huge part of like drawing your eye to where they want you to see and also like right i think color with like the 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 clown masks and stuff really Mm -hmm. helps with with that emotion as well um real quick on the on the very opening scene where you see the they're pushing into the building and right. then the window explodes i don't mm-hmm. know if it's just me but every single time i watch the movie i try to pick out which window is about to pop <laughs> yeah <laughs> I and love... you can you can see all the windows very clearly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but i'm like oh wait is it is it like there cuz there's a vent is it like over to the left of the vent is it above the vent yeah. is it like diagonal and like i always mess it up but it's it's yeah. a fun little kind of easter egg for me
1: yeah and they they i mean they really like had stuntmen ziplining across buildings in chicago for that so crazy like you can go watch the the behind the scenes footage he's he's very it's incredible
2: effects for sure
1: oh yeah um one of the things about the using those like imax cameras so like um the the camera operator um i can't remember his name off the top of my head but um he uh the rig guy or whatever. I, I can't remember the exact, exact title, mm-hmm. but um, they had to, he basically made like a cam sort of rig for this, those MSM cameras. Mm-hmm. So like when they're, so in that opening scene where they're like running across the building, the top of a building, mm-hmm. um, like he's following them with that. Shit. So he said, he said the camera itself is around 50 pounds. But once you add the whole rig, mm-hmm. it, he said, it's like around a hundred pounds that he's like, having to like follow these guys with well yeah
2: especially imax cameras because they're film so they have to like digital cameras Mm -hmm. are way lighter because they i mean there are heavy aspects to them but yeah yeah, they don't have to carry a giant film canister attached to it as well yeah
1: yeah yeah so he said like after the second day like it was either late the second day or maybe the sometime on the third day i think that was like a five day uh shoot that they were that they did um Mm -hmm. for that for that whatever that specific part. Uh but like the arm, the camera actually like broke the arm uh for the steady cam. and like felt, like you can see like I wa- was watching like the behind the scenes and like they actually have the footage of like oh jeez okay from the camera's point of view of it falling onto the ground.
0: And see, uh, I'm, the can
1: I'm, I'm, the I'm reading didn't your ne- break, but
2: well good. That's I mean I'm yeah. sure that thing is <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I'm yeah. reading your notes kind of along, like, so I can just kind of follow where we're going in the next uh, yeah, talking yeah. points And it. You just wrote broke arm second day. And I was like, wait, who broke their arm? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, the yeah. Yeah. the No one broke their arm. The camera broke its arm. Yeah, that yeah, was holding yeah. it up. Uh, yeah. Um, You know, somebody might have broken their arm. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty um, of injuries on a but, movie uh, this big. <laughs> but yeah, uh, lots of insurance, both for people and cameras. The, the, their um, sacrifice was worth it. Yeah. So, you know, we were saying, like, thank goodness that that camera didn't break uh, when it fell. But there's actually like when they were doing the dent, um, the dent uh, Joker, like car chase scene. um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that whole long uh chase uh through, like the Lower Wacker Drive stuff, mm-hmm. they actually did break one of the cameras. <laughs> oh, um there's like footage you can see in the behind the scenes footage. It's one so they had these they had them like mounted on these like arms that were coming off of um these like SUVs that they yeah. were using to drive around with um and yeah, there was like uh there was a section where like There's kind of, you know, the trucks like ramming into some cars Mm -hmm. and, um, the way, like the way that the SUV got bumped, uh, from that wreck, uh, swung the arm, like, crash into like the truck or something i've seen
2: like horror story like reels of those things because that's yeah that that happens kind of often because i mean like that's that's just a high risk place to put a camera even if the arm itself is secure like if it gets bumped or like yeah if they go if they go over too big of a bump on the ground it'll like hit the ground or like it'll hit like a a a pole or something that they're passing by terrifying yeah so that
1: that was a i think it was probably one of those like msm lightweight cameras Mm. that were rigged up on one of those arms. But, uh, but yeah, they, they didn't break one. (laughs) Jeez. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the camera work is just so well done in this movie. Um, and even like editing wise, like it's really well done. Um, I do think like there's some, there's some like sections in the movie that are a little disorienting for me, like editing wise, like the way it jumps, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, was kind of like I wasn't sure where I was
2: Um, he doesn't really do like transitions it's just all hard cuts it's like super old school
1: oh yeah yeah
2: for the most part I think in most Nolan movies
1: which is not that so like so I think my like my opinion is that Nolan is not that great at like up-close-action shooting and editing Um, but he's very, very like, he's, I mean, masterful at like big scale action and, uh, and editing Mm -hmm. that those shots. Um, so like, you know, like the tower, like the hostage, um, tower stuff at the end, is kind of like, it's a little shaky with like how it's shot and edited. Um, but, but some of it is like, to be honest, like, Doing research, like, um, into his thought process and stuff like that. So, like, I know with Batman Begins, um, you have like the disorienting action that happens, like, in the the shipping container, mm-hmm. um, scene. But like, it's purposeful. Like his his whole idea was that Batman was sort of like, um, a- the alien in in the movie Alien. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of catch glimpses of him, but don't ever really see him fully. Um, oh, until like part. until he decides to like reveal himself more <laughs> fully, and so like there is there probably is purpose for it, but it still kind of can be like disorienting as a viewer. Um, but uh, but yeah, it that's just like a small nitpick. Um, yeah, I sure. do think he's like master level at like bit big action set pieces and and the way they're shot and edited. Um,
2: yeah, and. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go on to say this: I think his movies, and before we move on from like the whole production cinematography thing, but mm-hmm. I think his movies from that aspect are greater than the sum of their parts in most cases. Like I think yeah. shot for shot, there are movies that have better cinematography and better sure, editing, yeah. and not better storytelling. I think he pretty much nails that. But um yeah, I, I, I think if you were to like super dissect every single shot, like they're not as like pretty as a Wes Anderson frame sure. or, or yeah, like. Yeah. Even like the Batman or like the Joker, like I think Mm -hmm. cinematography wise, like just if you took a frame of those movies, a lot of them, a lot of those frames are going to be just like straight up prettier and like more Mm -hmm. well kind of just composed than some of the Nolan stuff. But Nolan's has a a, like a realism that just kind of draws you in more. Yeah. Um, And it's it's less of an art piece and more of a story, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and he, he like he is very much, much more interested in that the realism of it. Um like I mean Wes Anderson is like highly highly stylized and it's, he's just doing something totally different than Nolan is doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um
1: and so like um so yeah, I I do appreciate that. I, and I I do think like he does capture like the realism of it, like the groundedness of
2: Yeah, yeah, that, what that's he's what I'm getting at. It, it well. feels like you're sitting in that scene which I, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate, which like a lot of these movies that are referenced or directors that have referenced that they, they just kind of go for something that's like aesthetically pleasing more so than right. something that's going to actually draw you into the story even more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, um, Uh, kind of moving on a little bit uh so i i have like a list of uh really cool special effects stuff um that we can shoot through uh but before we do that i did want to mention like the score in this movie Mm -hmm. which um for this so for batman begins you had hans zimmer and james newton howard kind of work on the score Mm -hmm. together so you have the more like sent the like heavy stuff from Zimmer and then the more like swelling more like traditional orchestra stuff from Howard. Mm -hmm. Um and then you get that again too with this movie. Um but with this movie like I really felt like um they really like took a step forward in the purpose behind like the the duality of the score, kind of matching like the dualities that are going on in the movie Mm -hmm. between like Batman and Joker and then even like eventually like the duality of Harvey Dent and becoming Two-Faced. Absolutely. um, uh, Really good. Um, One of my, like one of the really cool things about Zimmer's um, Joker theme Mm -hmm. um, is that he spent like a ton of time coming up with all these like strange jarring ways to like make sounds so I mean, he was like scraping razor blades on piano um, strings. Yeah, and, like, I've
2: seen a little bit of that, the behind the scenes stuff. But continue, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, he sent uh, he sent Nolan this like nine thousand bar like long um, like recordings of all these things he did, and Nolan like listened to it on the way to Hong Kong, and like got back with him and basically said like you Know that was a lot, he was like, uh, he was like, I think the Joker sound is somewhere in there, and you know, I trust you to find it. Basically, Jeez. What he told him, and uh, but what they ended up going with, they had this uh, celloist um, that came in, and it's really just one long, drawn out note. Uh, so like you can, I was actively listening for it as You're I was like, the ascending, like, yeah, so you have really you, tense it thing. Starts off. Yeah, it starts off with this cello note that's kind of like it's one note, but it's kind of like you have it goes back and forth from like smooth to more staccato like. Mm-hmm. So you have the yeah, like yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um it's one note on cello, but then you have this kind of like droning, um it's kind of like um it's both cello and like these like droning guitar s- sort of stuff mm-hmm. that he starts layering on top of that. So it's really like one note plus like an ascending note, um, that, that starts getting laid on top of it where it rises mm-hmm. over that one note that continues. And that's like the joke. That's the sign of the Joker. And especially like when chaos is about to break yeah, out. I
2: remember the, the first scene where he's like, um, he 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 feigns his death with Gamble,
1: mm-hmm. and he
2: like does the whole speech of like let's put a smile on your face for the first time, and like that music yeah. is playing in the background. It's like oh, yeah. oh my gosh,
1: like the tension is unreal. Uh huh, yeah, and um and if like if you listen like with intention, um you can hear all the places where like I th- I want to say there's even like some spots where he hasn't quite even come on screen yet, um but that's kind of starts up and it kind of indicates like, okay, here comes the Joker, um, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I think the score is incredible for this movie. Um, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the, so let's, let's talk through these special effects things. I, I'll ask you this. What is like the standout special effect for you in this movie? like when you think about the dark knight what what's like the action special effect that you think of first
2: it's probably when they overturn the 18 wheeler yeah when he <laughs> when he, he he links the the cable around the light mm-hmm. post and flips the 18 wheeler yeah. yeah that's that's At- probably one of them just any, or just anything with the tumbler honestly
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah. I think that is like the standout one. So like, I think, and I think part of it is because that, that might've been in like the trailers too. So like you were, you were getting it like even before, um, I don't remember seeing trailers for this just because I was in high school. I don't know that I was watching movie trailers in high school, but, but yeah, that is like the standout one, I think. Um,
2: yeah. And then like the whole chase scene leading up to that, like in the mm -hmm. tunnels and stuff like it or the lower level, whatever they want to call it. But, um, just to have that as the culmination of it. And then he kind of just like spills out of the car and yeah, then they have their confrontation. It's incredible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, the, so the, the, um, the semi flip uh, they had like this giant piston like mounted in the truck mm-hmm. that basically like shot out of the bottom of the truck yeah, yeah, and yeah. like pushed it off the ground to flip it over crazy. And they, they did like tests with it but they actually did that um on um I want to say LaSalle Street um in Chicago uh which is in the middle of the um banking district um they Crazy. flipped this semi truck on a real Chicago street and uh they were talking uh Chris Corbold is the special effects supervisor and he was talking about how like they were looking, there's like all these manhole covers and they were talking like to, I guess, sit, like city guys. And they're like, what are all these? And they're like, Oh yeah. You know, that's just like the, the lines to, you know, all these banks and the, um, they're like, it, like a basically like a lot of important stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, uh, they found like two spots where it was like possible for them to flip it. Mm-hmm. So like, it wasn't just like, let's run the truck down the street and flip it and capture it. It was like, we have to nail like the exact spot that we, we can flip it so that we don't like break something in the city. Yeah. And like shut down the, the, the cash flow in the city for a day. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one's incredible. Um, the uh the bus, uh Nolan talks Nolan said like the bus um busting through in that opening sequence. Yeah, yeah. It's was like one of the hardest things to get just because of like the timing of it and the the way they so they that was actually inside of um an old bank or some, I mean an old like post office or something like that. Hmm. And um they built like a false wall. Um, and so, cause obviously you can't actually like <laughs> sure. drive the bus through. So they built a false wall and like the bus was like connected to this, like, um, like piston rig that like pushes the bus, like through the false wall. Hmm. Um, very and, convincing. Yeah. He just, he just talked about like constructing that and like, um, getting the timing right was one of the, like, actually the hardest like things to shoot, um. I think the other thing that stands out was, um, the hospital, uh, explosion. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. So like, so that's what I think. When I think about the, the special effects in the dark Knight. I think I do think like about the semi flip and I think about the hospital because of
2: the, the trigger is the biggest thing right. for sure. Cause it, it failed and then he just kind of like played yeah. through it. Cause they, I think they only had like one shot at it. Right.
1: Yeah. So, so I had heard this. So I had heard this story about how, like, oh, they um, they had it all uh, ready to go, and they got the one. They have one shot, and um, and then there's something went wrong, and he like he kept acting through it, and it eventually like mm-hmm. uh, exploded. yeah, that's what I've heard. But but actually, I was watching um, the special effects on the Blu-ray, and maybe this is like them trying to cover up <laughs> a mistake, which mm-hmm. I don't know why they would, because that's a that would be a fun story um to, to tell. Uh, yeah. But they actually were talking about how Chris Cor- Corbold was trying to figure out a way where they could actually have Heath Ledger like walking away from, like walking out of the building in the, sh- in the one shot mm-hmm. and he actually rigged it up and timed it so that there would be this pause so that he could get far enough away. Um, uh, okay. But so maybe that like Heath didn't get the message or something. No, I, I think he's just like in character like what am I going to do when it pauses like cuz cause, cause in like in the context of the movie like there's no reason for it to pause. And mm-hmm. obviously in the special effects rigging there's a reason cuz you want your actor to get far enough away yeah, yeah, where yeah. where he's not going to get too injured or whatever. But like in the in the story context of like the character in the story, I guess Ledger had just kind of thought through like I know it's going to pause I need to come up, like, I need to, in character, figure out a way to, like, play with that pause, I guess.
2: I like the first story better. It's a lot more funny. The
1: first, the first story <laughs> is a lot funnier and better. It's incredible. Um, that that whole scene, like, it, it probably couldn't have been done better. Yeah. So they did, it was like a hospital that they found that was going to get demoed. Um, oh, really? And, yeah. And so they, they actually blew up a real hospital that was going to get demoed. They They demoed... It, like they did it in conjunction in conjunction with the demo crew um so mm-hmm. they actually like went through and like pre-sliced uh huge sections of the building so that they could get it to fall so that they could demo it the way they needed yeah, to demo yeah it for and sure and get the and have like chris corbold add the special effects stuff in where all the gasoline and stuff for the big fireballs yeah and stuff. you know fireballs shooting out the windows and stuff yeah. um, um
2: Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they also duplicate the shot in miniature so they could get an aerial of it as well, like a fake aerial shot? I want to say uh, I saw that a while back too.
1: Possibly, I didn't really come across that, um, but they 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 might have done something like that. They I know they did. Um, there was like a shot that was like not included in the that that didn't make the final edit um, where um, there was a camera. At, in the bus. Mm-hmm. So when he jumps on the bus, there's a camera on the, in the bus. Um, and they, they showed you in this, in the special features like that shot, but it's just like Joker. Like, so like he looks back when like, it's not exploding, but other than that, like, he's not looking at the explosion at all. And when yeah. he hops on the bus, he's just like sitting there. Like if you see all the explosion happening, like behind him through the bus window. And he's just like sitting there, not looking at it. And it's just like, Oh man, that would have been a cool like shot. Yeah, two. yeah, I've seen that uh, before. That's a yeah. that's a good one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, three weeks of rigging for the for, for the, the one shot. Jeez, yeah, I can't imagine. So there's man. a lot riding on it. I mean, you oh can't, for sure, you can't reshoot it. <laughs> yeah,
2: where are you gonna find another um, hospital to blow, to blow up somewhere legitimately?
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Nolan is doing he everything he like it's rare for you to see something in the movie that isn't like, doesn't have its foundation in like a real shot. Um Like mm-hmm. no, not CGI, but like real, like there's instances in this where like, they obviously kind of had to do like some green screen work and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But like, even like, so like in the, in the hostage sequence that were with the windows, like busted out, um, that mm-hmm. was like, um, a real Chicago building that they had found, but they did have to do some like stage CGI green screen work. So like when Batman kicks them out, um, that's like when he kicks the guy and they all fall out. Yeah. 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 For so, sure. Like the, the part where he kicks them out is like with a green screen back there, um, to, you know, that show in the city. But when they actually fall out, they actually had stuntmen fall out of that building in Chicago. Um, Jeez. And they, yeah. And they had like mattress pads and stuff that they like took out and post, um, hmm. like, but they were doing like some construction on that section of the building and they got, um, they, got, they somehow convinced that, you know, the city to let them like throw guys. Yeah, can out we of just them. throw
2: people out of your building, please? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, which it's only about like
2: five or six. That'll be fine.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, what, I mean, watching the uh, the actual like footage is like crazy. It's just like,
2: yeah, good grief! Yeah, and I referenced it earlier the uh, the whole the Lamborghini crash. I so see you have that written yeah. here on your notes they too. Really smashed it. Oh, that hurts. Like I'm I'm somewhat <laughs> of a car guy. Yeah, and, and and that just really hurt to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, like this. Not that the I'm ever stuntman was like giddy about it. Um, oh, the, I'm sure it's super the exciting Because like, what do you get in, to like,
2: intentionally crash a Lamborghini? <laughs> yeah,
1: the stuntman was like totally excited, and uh, and actually the the type of Lambo that it was, I can't think of the. It starts with the M. Murcielago um, uh, Mer- Mer- uh, stands for bat, right? Yeah, it's Spanish for bat, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is ironic. Um, Maybe purposeful? No, on ter- sure. Definitely yeah. on purpose.
2: A hundred percent on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Um, isn't it yellow too, like the old school Batman symbol like that color
1: no I think it was like or is it, sil- or is it the, silver or black it's like silver know. yeah um, but yeah so anyways <laughs> moving on from all the awesome special effects stuff like not to put a damper on it but this movie so like they did the seven months of shooting they're doing the post-production editing and like this movie released in June or July, it was a summer release in 08 mm-hmm. um, and like really like I remember back in 08 the news around Ledger dying um, yeah he he died in January which I think it was like 6 months before the movie was set to release um, it's tough and yeah it's just like um, it's one of those things where like Uh, I don't know. It's a weird thing that like the relationship we have as like, um, partakers in entertainment with the people that make that entertainment and like the kind of like the star quality, um, like we can forget like that they're like real people, uh, like Mm -hmm. that deal with like real issues. And so, um, it's this weird thing. Um, but it's also this thing that's like, uh, kind of like also brings people together so it's like this kind of like paradox of like i don't know it's it's just this weird thing in in american culture um i think when you have like like celebrities and what like how we like both like praise and like lambast celebrities and then like they reveal something is revealed that is just like a normal human thing yeah for sure this big thing and you know ledger like overdosed on those prescription pills and it's this big thing um but he's like obviously just dealing with something you know hard in his life Mm -hmm. um but yeah uh nolan um um said that he like felt burdened with this like massive sense of responsibility after that to like do his performance right yeah i can't Uh, imagine (laughs) Yeah, um, like I can't even imagine like to shoot that movie and just like be in the process of like putting together this incredible performance, like L- editing liter- together. Literally incredible- centered
2: around this one person.
1: Yeah, um, and like to have the the actor like pass is just like, I, I just can't even imagine like what How he was, was doing he? with. Ledger, I want to say he was like twenty eight to thirty somewhere in there. Uh, twenty seven, club guy, twenty eight. Yeah, close.
2: Yeah. Jeez, that's we're we're both older than him. That's wild to think about. Yeah,
1: yeah, it really is. And his his career really was like a burgeoning career. Like he had done Brokeback Mountain. Um, was what, a Night's a, his, a, Knight's, a Knight's Tale. Yeah, Night's Tale. Um, yeah, that like Night's Tale was pretty world, popular. But... Um. That's, that's the yeah, one so, I remember about, um, with him. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he had had a couple of like
2: big roles. Oh, and then he had the one that but, came up posthumously, the, um, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I actually remember that one being fairly decent. Okay.
1: I don't remember that one, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So, I, I mean, it's just like, it's one of those things where like, man, what would he have done after this? Mm-hmm.
0: Like,
1: um, just kind of like thinking about like, anytime there's like an artist of any kind that like dies too young, you, it's just kind of one of those things where you just kind of like ache for, um, what they could have done, um, what they could have been, um, sort of thing. Um, like what, what sort of like cool stuff they could have like accomplished in their career. Um, yeah.
2: But the, yeah. Um, the more recent one that I'm reminded of is, uh, Anton Yelchin from, uh, the Star Trek series, the newer one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He, yeah. He died like right after the movie too. And he was like 27.
1: Yeah. 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 Got, I, like,
2: that. I think he got like crushed by his own car or something like rolling downhill. It's crazy. Yeah. But his was a lot more freak than, than Ledger's, but yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of sadness around like this, this talent kind of taken too young, but um, yeah. Ledger, especially just because this movie was so influential to so many people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, it's an it's, it will probably like just forever be an iconic performance in, in American cinema Um, or really just like cinema in general. (laughs) I mean, in its own right though, like
2: even, even if he didn't pass, like that performance is incredible. The character's so well written. Like the story Mm -hmm. is told nearly perfectly in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: But yeah. So, I mean, that was like, um, that really like put a damper on everything like, but, they really like did well, like pushing it forward. Um, this was like, um, that this was like the, a time when like the internet was really like booming. Um, mm-hmm. and so like the, the marketing campaign for this was like, really like they were doing all kinds of like new stuff that like had been done. Like I didn't really write anything down, but, um, you know, you can look into it. They were doing like some cool, like contests online and stuff like that. um, but um, but yeah, but I mean, you never would have guessed that this movie would go on to like open to one hundred fifty eight million. Like basically the budget, and it's yeah, and <laughs> its first week, and it's by the end of its first week, it had like um, it had added like uh thirty million onto its budget um in profit. Um, and it went on to make a billion hit the billion mark. And Jeez. for a while it was second to Titanic all time worldwide yeah, until like avatar, right? Well, so like at that point, um, and no, I think avatar was Oh nine. Um, that's what I'm saying until avatar came around, right? Until yeah. Until avatar. Right. Right. So like for, uh, yeah, it was second to Titanic until avatar. Yep. Crazy. That's right. Um, and then I guess still third, um, after Avatar.
2: I I don't actually know run. it made anywhere near that much. Like, I mean, it, I guess yeah. it makes sense now when, you, when we're kind
1: of like mm-hmm. in retrospective thinking about it, but, um,
2: yeah, I just, that's
1: yeah, and wild. It, and it's one of, it's one of the reasons why it's so influential is because everyone's like, we want to do what the dark Knight did and make a billion dollars. <laughs> like, um, which, you know, more. Marvel's uh I guess Marvel's way of doing that was to make like 20 movies that lead up to one big <laughs> final yeah. thing where they fi- you know they finally were able to make a billion dollar superhero movie um a very very much roundabout way of doing mm-hmm. it uh from what Nolan did but, but yeah it, I mean it's incredible and it actually like changed the Academy Awards too <laughs> um mm-hmm. this movie so like this movie got 8 oscar nominations um it uh it didn't win um 6 it won 2 uh it didn't win uh but was nominated for cinematography, editing, art direction, makeup, sound mixing and visual effects and then it won for sound editing and then ledger won for supporting actor posthumously which Um, I, I think he would have won either way. You know, I don't think you'd like to think so for sure. Yeah. I don't think his passing really had anything to do with him him winning. He, I mean, it was just, there's no way he wouldn't have won. If, if, uh, um, Joaquin Phoenix, you know, wins for, for Joker, then like, yeah, he's Led you know, without having died, (laughs) he's led your wins for this, you know, either way. Joker was
2: special, like in its own way.
1: Um, Sure. Yeah. That's
2: an incredible movie. It's definitely in, in kind of the upper echelon of, of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that very, it's a very different take than what Ledger had on Joker. And it's a much more like focused just on that story.
1: Yeah. I have a weird, I have a weird relationship to the, the Joker movie. Um, just because my, my theater experience was weird. Um, and like unsettling, uh, and I'm not sure like if in the, in a way that was like intended by the movie makers, just like basically like I was like, there were scenes where things were being done that were like not funny, but like a lot of the theater was like laughing. I was like, I was like, I don't think they understand what's happened. This movie is. And so like my theater viewing experience, like kind of like, messed with me on like my opinion of that movie, yeah um I, I think, I, think it, I would have liked it a lot more if I would have watched it like alone at home, yeah, I've only watched it twice. I watched
2: it in the theater with my wife, and then I've watched it at home, actually like three weeks ago, mm-hmm. like since it came out yeah um and I'm sorry three times I' watched it once before that, but um yeah, I walked out of that one like disturbed not not even because right. of what you were
1: saying but you should be you should be disturbed when you walk out um but I was disturbed because the movie was making because other a- people
2: weren't disturbed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Other people were like laughing at things that were actually like really disturbing. <laughs> and I was like, "What? Yikes. what is happening? What is happening here? But, uh, but anyways, that's, that's a, a whole aside. But yeah, back to like the Oscar things. Like, so this movie very like famously did not get a, a best picture nomination mm-hmm. and everyone was like, very angry about mm-hmm. that, and uh, the year after the next Academy Awards is when they expanded it, and it's because The Dark Knight didn't get nominated for Best Picture. Um, which is really it's just another incredible thing about this movie, it changes superhero movies, it changes like blockbusters, and it changed like the Academy Awards, like in the way that they nominate for Best Picture. Um, mm. so just all around like Nolan's just like totally like recreating studio filmmaking, basically. Um, and really like his career is like overshadowed by this. Um, Which is a shame. Most, it's, it's his most acclaimed film. Like it's his, um, uh, you know, chain, like I said, change superhero movies for better or worse. Um, and there's, uh there's that line in the film about like faith being rewarded. Um and it makes me it, it almost feels like that line almost like mirrors like real real life of mm-hmm. like the studio's faith in Nolan was rewarded, but also like Nolan was rewarded for his faith in the audience to like be able to like deal with the ideas, the deeper ideas that he was like going for in this movie. Um yeah,
2: yeah, he does. He doesn't really like, like, serve everything on a silver platter in his movies, um, especially like these. Even though they're superhero movies, so I think intrinsically are a bit more easy to understand than some of his other ones. But he, yeah. he 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 assumes intelligence with his audience, which I really like in directors, and not everyone does that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, the other thing that I think Nolan does really well is his casting. Um, Like he he really like um, I I read somewhere he had talked about like the casting for like the 78 Superman was his like inspiration to just like get stars um, Mm -hmm. built into his movie, um, which he, he kind of started with Batman Begins. I mean, you have you're putting Christian Bell in who is like starting like to be more well-known, but then you throw in like Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine <laughs> and like you're getting this building to start. And like, he just builds on that with this. Liam you, Neeson, you're... Ken Watanabe, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, th- this one really just kind of builds on that. You, um, have a I mean, Maggie Gyllenhaal gets recast as Rachel, um, which I think that was just like either, um, Katie Holmes either like didn't want to do another one or she had a scheduling conflict or something. Yeah.
2: I forget why um, the reason that, that one kind of threw me off a little bit because I re- I did like Katie Holmes. Like I, I think yeah. I prefer her performance, but
1: yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. It's like, I think they, they each do like different things better. Like I think Katie Holmes does like the relationship with Bruce a little better. Mm-hmm. And I think Maggie Gyllenhaal does like the, um the like, Law side of things a little bit better, like yeah, kind of like she, the the
2: more running the show kind of like boss yeah, girl yeah. type thing, right? Yeah. So,
1: um, so I think they do different things. Like they both have pros and cons, but um, for sure, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it, people kind of I've heard people go back and forth on on who's better, and I don't really even necessarily have an opinion, but um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like. Um, you have Michael Caine returning, Gary Oldman, which we didn't even mention about star-studded. Um, Incredible. Yeah. Um, I, didn't rec- I didn't
2: recognize Gary Oldman at first, by the way. When I first saw the movie, I was like, "That's,
1: well, that's Gary Oldman." Shtick. Is like that's kind of Gary Oldman' shtick. It's yeah. like, "I'm going to transform the way I look." To um, well, like in the Harry Potter movies, characters. like he plays Sirius Black, and he looks nothing right. like Jim Gordon.
2: <laughs> Crazy, right, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean he he's Winston Churchill in uh mm-hmm. Darkest Hour. Like he <laughs> He's a chameleon uh, man. He is. Um yeah, uh, Morgan Freeman of course is great. Um mm-hmm. you have some like the small some of the smaller like um uh villains like uh, Lau and uh mm-hmm. and Sal Moroni and those guys, um those actors are, do really well. Mm-hmm. Um uh Aaron, how, how do you feel about Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent?
2: I, I, I thought he did really well. He's, he seems, I don't know. I, I feel like he could have been a little bit more like, and this might've been direction and writing, but like, I feel like that would have made him a little bit more like crazy, like yeah. towards the end of it. Like, and he was getting there and uh, the, it, I think he was written really well. But I feel like Aaron Eckert, it's he's like maybe a tad bit too macho. And like he yeah. like, I guess the way he the older two faces have been portrayed um, have been more like gangster mobster kind of vibes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. More like mm-hmm. New York kind of flavor to him or this guy's very mm-hmm. clean cut, like country club. Like, I don't know. Um,
1: yeah. Well, it's um, I think it's very like a long. Uh, so the long Halloween comic. Um, the Harvey Dent to Two-Face kind of, um, story arc, I think is this pulls very much like influence from, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and he is like that, the DAA or whatever, um, there too, I think, um, it's been a while since I've read it, but, um, but yeah, I, I feel like he plays Harvey Dent really well. And then once he becomes Two-Face, it's kind of like, I'm not really sure. And I think maybe part it's, of it is just because the transition happens so quickly. Yeah. You it, don't get time to get used to it. it. It's crazy as a subplot to try to squeeze.
2: I, th- I, I thought it was crazy as a subplot to squeeze that into the same yeah. timeline as the Joker movie. Um, yeah. But it does work. Um, I, but yeah, yeah I, do, I do think he gets too angry and not like, he doesn't like snap quite away. He's just like mad and he's grieving and that's kind yeah. of just what it feels like he it it feels like that it doesn't feel like oh he's a villain now yeah he just feels like and, he's like pissed off
1: <laughs> yeah and the i think i think part, part of it is probably like the cgi work is like strange it's kind of like a i don't know i don't know that i i i'm going to say i don't have an opinion but if i did have to have an opinion on the the cgi face it would be like I'm not sure if it's good or not. Um yeah. It's I, I think technically speaking it's good,
2: but if it serves the character well is a different discussion.
1: Yeah. I think part of it is because you you've had so much of the movie grounded in reality um mm-hmm. and like that that was so much built into this this screenplay and the way the movie was shot and then all of a sudden you have this guy who has like half of his face burnt off that's Mm -hmm. like not realistic at all it just kind of was like oh okay yeah we're jumping back into like very comic book territory it
2: almost would have been better if they just kind of like left it like under bandages and then like brought him back in like a third or a fourth movie yeah yeah maybe kind of thing or instead of just doing a hard left to the Bane character I don't know that that might have been a cool movie too
1: yeah yeah maybe so um but yeah I think Aaron Hart Aaron Eckhart is. Is very good at Harvey Dent too, because Harvey mm-hmm. Dent has this like very like um kind of <laughs> he's kind of got this like um I'm like generally a good guy, but can kind of be a bit of an a hole too. <laughs> like um yeah, kind of I guess like character to him. Um, but yeah, and and Aaron Eckhart pulls that off, I think, pretty well.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he's a great actor. I, I think he he was well cast. I don't, I, I can't like off the top of my head think of somebody that would have been immediately better than him. And there yeah. might have been, but I mean, they also may have been searching for a while. And I, I think they where they landed yeah. for the the weight of the role that he had. I think served it very well.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you know, um, yeah, he's good. Michael Caine always always great as Alfred. Christian Bell. Christian Bell. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've watched Batman Begins not that long ago obviously for the podcast and I'm watching Dark Knight and I'm pretty sure like he really ups the gruff voice for Batman. It does change. Man.
2: It does change a yeah. good bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know much it's... more So, he's still my favorite Batman. Yeah, sure. But the voice is not necessarily my favorite.
1: Sure, yeah. It's um it's one of those things that's like You just have to remember, like, okay, yeah, I'm in a comic book. It is like very real, but it's still a comic book movie. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Um, I I will say that Michael Caine, though, there will never be a better
2: Alfred Pennyworth. No, no, not even like close.
1: Yeah, I'll say this: I really loved um, uh, Andy Circus in the the new one. I I don't think he gets enough screen (laughs) time to really part about those movies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, he, he's really good as Alfred, but yeah, no, no one is in comparison with Michael Caine. Yeah, I'm I'm not a Batflag fan at all. No, not. So, um, uh, Andy Circus was in the, the Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson. He
2: was the, I'm sorry. Alfred yeah. You that. are right. Yeah. You are right. I'm, I'm getting them mixed up. I can't remember the guy That's, that was. That statement still stands though.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really love. I think circus is really good, but yeah, it's, you, yeah, you I think really I, I agree. Circus is a great Kane. actor across mm-hmm. the board. Yep, Um, but really like the man of the hours, Heath Ledger, like mm-hmm. this is Heath Ledger's movie. This is the Joker's movie at the end of the day. Like, um, and you know, there, so there was like, uh, there's other casting rumors. Like some of them were like, Paul Bettany was rumored at one point. Mm. Sean Penn was rumored at one point. Um, I think, um, oh, there was another guy that I recognized. Um, well, that a super interesting choice. Yeah, he would be, he would be an, oh, um, Adrian Brody, I think. Um, I could see him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was cast or he was like rumored at one point, but, um, but yeah, in Nolan's mind, like when you, when you kind of. Look at interviews in his mind, like he had Heath Ledger in mind the whole time. And so Ledger had actually, like, um, talked to Nolan. He, d- I-, I think he ended up not auditioning for Batman, but Nolan had talked to him about mm-hmm. potentially auditioning. And Ledger was just kind of like, ah. And I think there was like a, a famous, like, press conference with Ledger uh, shortly after, like, maybe talk show thing where he basically said, like, quote, like, I, I would never take part in a superhero film. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, I, and I think Nolan uh, had said like he had seen that interview um, and like, or heard that quote or something and been like, okay, I have to get a ledger for the Joker. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, like I need that energy, like that, uh, that resistance to mm-hmm. being in a superhero film. I need that energy, like for my Joker role. And And it's like, this movie doesn't
2: feel at all like a superhero movie in the traditional sense, like, which I think yeah. was kind of his goal, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, it just like, it just feels like a good narrative movie. Like,
1: yeah,
2: that just happens and, to feature Batman.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it felt, it, it feels like a, a, like a, a crime action thriller um, mm-hmm. with Batman and the Joker. um, Just, just because the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he um he met up with ledger and uh had like a a couple hour conversation of him like pitched the story and no one said that like after they talked um ledger was like totally on board, like he was like, nice. okay, and I'm on board and so he was cast pretty early, and so he went um he kind of locked himself up in a hotel room and like practiced voices and mannerisms and stuff to to nail down what he was going to do with the performance. Um, And like I said, he had that, that mood board with those influences. Mm -hmm. Um, He was keeping a log of things that the Joker might think was funny. Uh, Some of the things I saw were like landmines, AIDS, brunch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) These are things written in his, uh, his log. Um, Yeah. Just like, yeah. He just like threw himself into this role. Um, he, uh, so like the licking lips thing, um, apparently he, so the prosthetics for the scars kind of went into his mouth a little bit. And Uh, so the, the, the licking his lips thing was actually like, all he was doing was like trying to prevent having to go back to makeup for 20 minutes. Uh, Um, and so that just became part of like the mannerism of the Joker. that's, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, And Ledger does a lot of stuff like um, there's a a story where um, Ledger was like, um, hey, hey, let me uh, apply my own makeup. Uh, I want to see how that would be like. And Nolan Nolan said, uh, I think there was a a quote in uh, one of the books I'm reading where Nolan said, what? you know ledger was like let's let's see what we can learn from this and one was like well what we learned is that he's not a very good makeup artist <laughs> um but he said that uh ledger noticed like oh i have makeup left over my hands and so like from then on that was a detail that they would that they had was like you if nice. you look closely you can see like makeup residue on his hands cuz they were like oh yeah that's a detail that we missed hmm. that we learned from this so just like tons of stuff that's just like ledger's creative mind um and the way like nolan worked with him was just like incredible um there's a ton of little stories like that um the the abduction like torture um sequences that are broadcast Mm -hmm. where the jokers um you know broadcasting i think there's like two of those little sequences in the movie um and uh nolan let him like operate the camera and direct those sequences. Like Nolan yeah. wasn't directing those. Um he gave like full control over the direction of that to the ledger um in character as the Joker, which is incredible. Like I can especially imagine... for someone like Nolan that's so like detailed and precise with how he wants things done. So like give over control. This shows a lot of trust. Um yeah
2: and it definitely wouldn't have come out even close to the same way, I don't think. No, like to have no. that kind of like found footage like super mm-hmm. grimy, dirty, distorted, mm-hmm. gross kind of take.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, I mean just like the Joker like j- the Joker's persona is in this movie um is it's in- just incredible. A lot of it comes from Ledger. Um but I mean the way that Nolan like and Goyer kind of conceived of the Joker has a lot to do with it too. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Goyer is quoted saying like that they were just talking about how most iterations of the Joker in in film is he's not really scary. And they wanted a Joker that was actually scary. Mm-hmm. Um and there are some very like intense, frightening sequences of the Joker. Like he obviously has his his jokes and his like dark humor, um, that that do get laughs. Like you know, you you laugh at, it, you know, some of his jokes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like there's sequences where he is actually like very menacing. Um oh, yeah, which absolutely. like if you go if you go watch like the Jack Nicholson Joker, which is also pretty iconic. Mm-hmm. Like he's not really scary. He's crazy. Yeah, he's a he's, little unsettling, but yeah, he's not. Like you don't watch that and be like, This is like intense yeah, scary.
2: The thing that did it for me, and this is part of the 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 marketing too. I forget if they showed this in the trailers, but the scene where he comes in with the with the chest full of grenades and stuff, mm-hmm. um, when he says, I'm gonna make this pencil disappear. Yeah. And then he slams the dude's head on the pencil and then the pencil's yeah. not there anymore. And like, where the heck the pencil go? And then you uh-huh. realize it went through the guy's eye. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like and I think there there was a piece of marketing uh, material that was an x-ray scan with a skull, like the cross-section okay. of a skull with a pencil through it. Yeah. And I was that's like, awesome. oh my gosh. Like, that's that's when I realized, like, oh my goodness, this dude is, like, bent. He's nuts. In the worst way.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's nuts. Um, but, like, in a way, I mean, so, like... <laughs> To To contrast, like, the complete opposite of, like, how you should never do the Joker, which is, like, Jared Leto's take on the Joker. <laughs> um, it's, like, the complete opposite. Like I wanted him to be good at it way. so bad,
2: because I do like him as an it's, actor. But Yeah,
1: it's like, ooh, I have an idea. Let me lay in a circle of my knives, because that's what the twisted Joker would do. It's like, no, like, <laughs> the Joker doesn't have time to, like, be laying on his knives. Like, he's... <laughs> he's out there like scheming and doing, yeah, he's like, obsessing doing over things. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, Nolan, uh, this is a quote from Nolan. He said, uh, the Joker is what I am afraid of more than anything, more than any of the villains these days, particularly. I think the, uh, Joker represents the id in all of this. Mm. Um, you know, the id being like the basest, most instinctual part of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, yeah. are being, um, you know, in psychology, that's what it is. Um but yeah, it he is like and, and another thing Nolan said is like the Joker uh is like the engine of the movie. Like he's mm-hmm. what propels everything forward. Um he's um, just everything about his persona is crazy. Uh feister the the DP said that watching I mean, he's got his camera up close, um right up on ledger's face um in a lot of scenes Mm -hmm. and uh he said like watching him in those close quarters was like he was busting blood vessels in his head
0: Uh, and
1: uh, another thing he said was that it was like a seance where the medium takes on another person and then is so completely drained um Mm. like just the intensity that he put into this character to make him legitimately like menacing and like kind of the sort of guy where you, the sort of character where you're like, I have no idea what this guy's going to do next. And that's frightening. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um,
2: yeah. A very, very unpredictable character. Mm-hmm. And it did he didn't feel like he was written that way either. It just kind of felt like they were just recording this crazy person.
1: Right. Yeah. And that, so like, it's the mixture of, that's what I was saying. Like it's the mixture of what ledger brings to it, which is that, that chaotic energy. Mm-hmm. Um that's what Nolan wanted and that's why he cast Ledger cuz he he knew he could do it. Um but then it's also like the you know the writing too uh, adds to that you have like he gives the two different origin stories um when he's mm-hmm. like uh threatening people and just that idea the f- so the first time you get it you're like oh yeah this is crazy um like on a first watch and then like he starts up telling another origin story and you're like, wait a second. Like this dude is just coming up with this, like demented stuff, like on the spot. Like, mm-hmm. and, they, <laughs> and like, they go into the details of like, they can't find his name, no prints, yeah. no nothing, no dental oh, yeah. records. Yeah. He's just, um, and no one talks about how, like he just kind of appears like maybe he, he was just, has always been there sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he he says he's like a force of nature, um, and he he kind of saw him like um no one no kind of says like he kind of viewed him kind of as like the shark in Jaws, um, where he's just as much a plot device as a character, um, he's like this force of nature that the other characters have to or like forced to respond to, yeah, like um, they don't have a choice, right. And so he like – yeah, he he just – and that's why he moves the movie forward because everyone – the whole movie is just like we don't know what the Joker's going to do next. And then he does what he's going to do next, and that's what moves things forward. Um, And so there is this like chaotic feeling to to it all. Um, Yeah, they can't be
2: proactive. They have to only be reactionary to him until they can finally like confront him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that was like a question I was thinking about before I was watching the movie was like, so, cause I've seen it obviously several times before. Um, and, you know, I was just thinking about, so like, is the Joker supposed to be like something representing like kind of something like base and terrible that's kind of in everyone? Or is he kind of like representing this, Force of nature, force of nature that like affects or influences everyone, I, and it seems like it's more the latter.
2: Yeah, I, I would um, say so. Like he's he's an edge case for sure, and I think mm-hmm. the the part in the movie that sums it up the best is Alfred's monologue to Bruce in the the yeah. bunker where he's talking about the guy who was throwing away rubies the size of tangerines away just because <laughs> right. some men want to just watch the world burn. They don't care about money,
1: right? And it is this like idea of like the chaos of everything, like there is there is a degree to which like um you know, the way it functions in real life would the, or the parallel is just kind of like the not knowing what might happen in your life next that could throw everything mm-hmm. for a loop, you know um that chaos that is then really just kind of the nature of our limited like foresight and knowledge as human mm-hmm. beings like We don't know exactly what's going to happen next ever. And so that's kind of like what the Joker represents, but like to an amplified degree Mm -hmm. um, of like the chaos of life. Um, And yeah. um, Yeah. And so like, you know, the way he functions is sort of like, um, yeah, he, you know, he says he's chaos and there's like the line where he says to, To Harvey Dent becoming 2 faced, Like do I look like a man with a plan Mm -hmm. And uh, which is Kind of an ironic line to me because I'm like no you don't And you don't act like a man with a plan But you definitely have a plan Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But everything is like um, I I read somewhere uh, A line that I was like oh yeah that's good Is that he doesn't so much Strategize plans as conceive Of like lethal jokes um like everything is just jokes um these big jokes for him of like how can i throw everything for a loop
2: yeah and like he he does that quote where he's like um he's like a dog chasing after a car like he doesn't know what, yeah. what he would do with it if he caught it he just does he just i just yeah. do yeah um and so it's like maybe he doesn't have plans as much as he has just random goals of like destruction mm-hmm. and mayhem and killing people yeah. and, and doing whatever that kind of sati- satiates his, his desire to do whatever he wants at any given time. And yeah, this one just happens to be burning Gotham to the ground. Right.
1: Yeah. And he, you know, I I think, I think one of his biggest functions in the movie um, is that he kind of probes the, the limits he probes the limits of both like the ethics of Batman and the ethics of like the people of Gotham, mm-hmm. which all culminates with like those final sequences. Um, and um, so you get like, you know, you get the final sequence with, um, you know, him and Batman facing each other while like the, the fairy mm-hmm. sequence is going on. Um, and it, it that's what he's pushing everything to. Um, the Joker is, can I like push everyone to the edge of like their lines of ethics? I mean, that's what he does with, um, with the guy that's like trying to out Bruce's Batman, like the accountant guy. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, he's like, let me, let me show how, like when you push everyone to the complete edge of their ethical lines, how they'll cross those lines. Mm -hmm. And he does it with Batman. Um, that's one of the things that, um, you know, I I was thinking about with Batman in this movie, because while it is very much a Joker film, um, at the at the end it goes back to Batman. Um, I think uh, uh, Nolan is a quote that I wrote down from Nolan is he said it's it's the Joker's film for so much of the movie because he's such an electric sort of presence, and with his performance, he's such a motor for that film. But at the end Batman takes it back Bruce takes it back to himself and I think that's true and it it comes down to like what is the motivating factor for Batman at this point um,
2: yeah, especially after so, uh, Rachel's death right
1: yeah so I mean you have in Batman begins like his parents death is and the the fear and the grief and anger is like the motivating factor mm-hmm. and so what is it here and I think You know, even before Rachel's death, it's this um, this duality of his identity, like taking its toll. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, he's he's dealing with, like, is there an end to this or is everything just going to keep escalating if I continue in this? Yeah, And it's Um, such a
2: a poetic way that they tell that because he sees Harvey Dent as that answer.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And then
2: with when Rachel gets takes away, gets taken away that the Harvey option is no longer a thing because he goes crazy. Yeah. And so it's all back on yeah. him again.
1: Yeah. And even before, like before Rachel dies, there's the, he sees her like shifting affections. Mm-hmm. Um, So he's like, he's losing her before he really loses her. Um, yeah, that's true. Which is another, like just joke by the Joker of telling him, switching the addresses, you know? Yeah. Um, So that he saves debt, Din- which which to me is like another indication that like he has a plan, like he has an overarching plan. Um, But yeah, just the idea that Batman is like so burdened by the power and the responsibility um, that this escalation of things has like brought to him. Um, uh, And then dent, like there's, there's also like, like we were talking about, you also have this like, side story about like the rise and fall of Harvey Dent mm-hmm. um going on like simultaneously with this story of like the Joker Batman dichotomy um and um i don't know like we've talked a little bit about that um it's it's kind of i think when you when you boil it down really the question um for that story arc is was two face in him the whole time um yeah because, I mean, you when you watch um, – so there's, like, the few sequences where, like, Bruce and Dent interact with each other. Um, and they, like, kind of talk about the Batman, like, especially at that dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, you kind of get the feeling that Dent is sort of, like, jealous of how Batman can operate. Yeah, uh, but I think
2: that's a sentiment that's kind of shared across most of, like, the authority yeah. of Gotham City uh, mm-hmm. that they all see – everybody besides Jim Gordon and his unit see him as a vigilante. Right. That's like kind of going against what they've set up and kind of ruining things for them and going against the grain and yeah. probably making the city a, a worse place instead of a better place. But then, yeah. Uh, on the But whole- then oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, but then dent is like, even before he um, becomes two face and like Rachel dies and stuff, like he's already starting to try to be Batman. Like there's the scene where <laughs> yeah. he's, he's like in Terry, like, getting ready to like torture this like mad guy mm-hmm. and then shows up and he's like, you're not getting anything out of this guy. He's like, he's crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, even way before that, when he first meets Jim Gordon
2: and he asked him, he asked Gordon about his nickname. So like mm-hmm. that, that kind of leads me to believe it. it's like, well, he might just be a jerk instead of like yeah. being crazy. Like he's like, okay, right. like he, right. he does what he, he needs to, to like kind of get results in, in his mm-hmm. line of work. But I don't think that, um, they they give you any indication that he has the the two-faced character within him at that point, which I don't I don't think he would have until he actually loses Rachel. But it's such a weird thing because like he seems so worried about having Rachel in the first place. And because she's so kind of standoffish whenever he asks her about like their relationship and furthering it and all that kind of stuff. Because secretly, I mean obviously she's still tied to Bruce.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um but to kind of to kind of see that that kind of like jealousy kind of form or the Batman yeah. or for Bruce in general. Um, uh, yeah. with, with Rachel and Dent that whole like kind of like pseudo love triangle thing is is super interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it yeah, I agree. I I don't think that necessarily like he would have become two face without the death of Rachel. Like that's a crucial mm-hmm. um kind of plot point. Um, which is a whole nother thing with Nolan of like uh killing off <laughs> the wives and love interests in his movies. Bruh. Um but uh you know it's it's the irony is like he has a very like loving family relationship with his wife that is part of like that produces all his movies with him it's just like this ironic thing of like and yet he's like killing off all the wives in his movies um (laughs) very strange um but yeah i mean the the dent thing um i think it's it's interesting, but I don't, I think really like Dent functions more as, uh, or his like story arc becoming Two-Face functions more as like a way that the Joker, like it, I guess it functions toward the Batman Joker dichotomy part of the story Mm -hmm. more than it functions just on its own. Right. Um, Because at the end of the day, that's like his, uh, what does he say like a um an ace in the bag or an ace in the sleeve or whatever mm-hmm. um you know he the the fairy thing failed his little social experiment, mm-hmm. but his social experiment with dent um that you know Batman was unaware of it actually was like was a success. what have you done yeah <laughs> what have you done um where is she uh <laughs> Let her go.
2: Very poor, intrusive words. Best part of the movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's another. That's like one of those like jokes that actually like is funny. Yeah, Um, yeah. yeah. uh, But yeah, he. It's the the that you know talking about like the Joker Batman dichotomy. It's that chaos, like um, turning civilization back to its baser instincts. That like is kind of the idea with Joker, and the the, like the batman part of this is like bruce and batman like has batman wondering like have i enabled this mm-hmm. um, has like me escalating everything with my vigilanteism brought this about um and you know joker has the line like he has the line you complete me which makes you wonder like
0: mm-hmm. has
1: the joker watched jerry Maguire? um and it's Tom Cruise a part of the <laughs> the uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman
2: universe. Um,
1: that, that's Andrew his. Acer that's Sarah his.
2: Walker. That's his. In when, uh, when Katie Holmes left, he had to kind of replace her somehow, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, and so you know, Bruce, and, and this is like this is the interesting part of like Batman's like st- like arc through this is he's you know Joker's plan to like push to the edge of ethics, like not only works with like the citizens of Gotham, but it's like working with Batman, you know, you have the interrogation scene where he's like, just like beating on the Joker, which is like very unlike Mm -hmm. and against kind of like what he normally does. Um, And like, he's, so it's just these things, these choices he's making where he's like doing the wrong thing, but for the right reason. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, bearing the weight of that and like trying not to lose himself. Um yeah you know, you, as you, the Jokers keeps pushing him and
2: pushing him. Yeah, you kind of see that theme of obsession between both of mm-hmm. them kind of like taking place, especially when he goes to Fox and creates like the giant the uh, sonar network thing. Right. Um mm-hmm. and I mean and even Fox confronts that it's like, hey, like as long as this is at Wayne Enterprises, I'm not going to be yeah. um
1: so yeah and he he he, kind of asked the question, um, you know, at what cost? And I think that's what, I think that's like the, the question that you are kind of left with at the end of the movie. It's like, I'm, we're moving forward. We're, 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 you know, we're putting criminals away. We're, we're doing all this, these things that are, you know, supposed to be good, but at what cost I think mm-hmm. is the, the question you're left with. Um, and that's like, I I think that's what leads into The Dark Knight Rises is that question like at what cost um are these supposedly good things that we're accomplishing mm-hmm. um you know uh but yeah it, there's um the I think the other interesting thing about this movie are like the political aspects of it mm-hmm. um which there was a lot of talk around when it came out um you know it's written against the, the backdrop of like the Bush war on terror, um mm-hmm. very much like and it's like going on at this time. Um well, yeah Joker felt like, you,
2: a, like a like a domestic terrorist. I mean that's that's kind of yeah. what he was doing. It was just inciting mm-hmm. riots and terror and all this kind of stuff and telling people to like kill this dude or else he blows up a hospital and all these crazy things that are just there to just yeah. incite madness.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, so it's the Joker's, um, you know, being like destructive and causing like catastrophes. Um, but then like Batman having like overbearing, overreaching reactions mm-hmm. to that. And so like, there's very much like you can see the influence, uh, in the writing really. Um, I think it, and it's one of those things like when you talk to guys like writing, like Nolan, they're like, Well, you know, we're not writing, like we're not trying to be relevant to the times, but like at the same time, these are the things on everyone's minds and they're on our minds while we're writing. So it's not like, oh, we're trying to make a political statement, but it's just like the natural.
2: Yeah. It's not allegorical, but it just kind of happens because that's, that's what inspiration he has in the ethos to like pull from.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, and you know, there's a ton of like things that he's tackling that are like just in the American, like Zeitgeist conversation, mm-hmm. like at this time, like the surveillance state and civil, civil liberties, Big brother. um, you know, how to regard people standing as figureheads, which we're still trying to figure out. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, um, and like I said, like, uh, the Joker is basically like, a stand in for like shaking down like american modern American ethics um and uh I would say just really human, like
2: human ethics, not just
1: american <sighs> ethics right yeah, 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 I guess like i was I, I guess I was just saying that because just thinking about like the the political atmosphere in America when this was made, but yeah it, for sure, like human ethics too, um just like what lines are you willing to cross
0: mm-hmm.
1: um that sort of thing. Because, like, really, like with Batman, there is a very fine line between him and the insane criminals he's dealing with. Yeah. Um, And so it would be very easy to cross that line. Um, But yeah, um, one of the things I I was thinking about was the line where Joker says, um, you know, madness is like gravity, all it takes is one little push. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, I was just thinking about, man that is uh, kind of a little bit too true uh, in today's like political atmosphere. All it takes is like saying one thing that may or may not be true about a certain group of people and your, your side, like. Yeah. The, just the tiniest
2: provocation.
1: Yeah. gets all up in arms about this thing Mm -hmm. that may or may not even be true, (laughs) but the right figurehead said it. And mm-hmm. so, um, that's on the right side. And so, yeah, it's. I, I do think that there's a lot of like politics of the time when this was made, but also stuff that, unfortunately, like carries over to today, like that. Um, yeah, for sure, that idea. Um, but yeah, Nolan. Um, very like, if you look at like back on the the conversation around the movie when it released, there was actually like people on both sides kind of claiming the movie as being like for, for their point of view um which is hilarious for one um and uh no one no one actually said he felt like um both sides like claiming his movie was actually a win there you go <laughs> um but it it really is politically ambiguous like no one again trusts his audience mm-hmm. he's like I'm not going to answer the, the question, these questions mm-hmm. for you. It's up, it's up to you to decide, um, what, what, is, what are the right things happening in the movie and what are the wrong things? Like you as the viewer have to figure that out on your own. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not just going to f- spoon feed it to you. Um, I, I kind of lean toward that. Like a lot of the stuff that's going on is wrong. Um, like I think the question, like of at what cost? I think the answer is like some a lot of what's going on is at too great of a cost. Um, just because, like yeah. really in the in the in the end of the, I I think the film does speak to it like a little bit less like directly in that like Batman totally like changes his tactic at the end like, mm-hmm. um, and so like that should tell you like oh yeah. The cost is too great. Um, Yeah. And I mean, like the whole like character of Batman, like,
2: well, yes, he doesn't kill anybody. I mean, he's causing millions of dollars of damage to the city and like being completely reckless. And like, yeah, like you said, by the end of it, he's doing things that are like super unethical and um, Mm kind of just trying to exact his revenge and not just bring balance and justice to the city like his original like kind of motive is. Right.
1: Yeah, and um, and I do think like so. The movie, the you know, the movie ends, and he, you know, he's writing off, and it's the whole line of like, um, uh, you know, the hero. I always mix it up. Um, the hero that he's maybe the hero that Gotham needs right now, but not the one that it deserves, or vice versa. Um, that line has always been confusing to me because I'm like, wait, what's the like what what's better to a hero that you deserve or that you need? <laughs> I've always been like i don't I don't really get get what they're trying to say there. um no, I think it's like
2: but, maybe they're trying to say like Gotham is like too far gone and so like he shouldn't bother, but he yeah, he's, maybe he's who Gotham actually needs, but they don't deserve yeah. his generosity and they don't I, mean, deserve I guess like it, a, yeah. at some level kindness for like trying yeah. to to fight the injustices in Gotham,
1: yeah. Yeah. I, and I guess, I guess that is it, but I feel like, man, they could have written that line a little bit better, more clearly. Um, it, it sounds like a cliche. Yeah. And then, you know, he's, he's kind of like becoming the, um, I do like the dent line. That's, that's reused here of like, you know, either, um, you know, you die a hero. Yeah. Die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah. Um, which is a, That really is a great line. That's Um,
2: probably the best line in in the entire trilogy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's way, a a way better line than the, the need deserve heroes. (laughs) Um, And I think it is like, um, I think it is like very much encapsulates like the story arc of like Bruce slash Batman in this film of like, he's, he's, He's done. Like he hasn't even really been doing this for, but for like a year. Well, it, but it's him. That it's him and Dent, too right? Long. They're yep. they're paralleled in mm-hmm. that.
2: I mean, Dent literally and Batman's on his way to being that. He's on his way to becoming mm-hmm. a villain, and then Dent actually
1: does become a villain. Right. Yeah, and and maybe it's just that idea that like when you ride that line for too long, um, like it's inevitable that you're gonna cross it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people just are going to cross it way sooner than others. Like dent didn't cross the line, like way sooner than, than Batman yeah. did. Um, but it just, yeah, just that idea that like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't ride the line. Maybe you should, you know, steer clear of it all together sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I think, um, just taking a final thought away from the movie, cause the The two fairies thing um is a big thing in the movie, and like the tension building is really well done in that mm-hmm. um uh but also just like i think the the idea that I was like taking away from it as I was watching with like today's eyes in today's like climate in america um and it it probably like was was something that was relevant then too. Um, but just the idea that like you have these two fairies with these like opposing. I not just like, I mean, they're, they're people of different ilk, like they're Mm -hmm. criminals, um, from a lower strata. And, you know, these people that are like, well, to do trying to get out of the city or like, at least like middle class, just, I, Um, I think just average citizens, just, yeah, just average citizens. Um, and, you know, they're, they should be very different and they should have very different ideologies mm-hmm. about life. Um, but they don't, at the end of the day, they decide not to treat each other that way. And um, I think that was like one of my, like, uh, I guess, like takeaways from this was just like opposing ideologies willing to simply just not destroy the other. <laughs> like... Um, you would think, um, you would think the ethic to take away should be like that they're actually kind to each other. Yeah. Um, but just like in today's political climate, just like not trying to destroy the other is, um, a step forward. Um, <laughs> which yeah, and that, that was kind of
2: like ultimately like Joker's defeat. Right. I mean, I guess like psych- yeah. psychologically mm-hmm. was that like, Batman? I he, he even says it, it's like, this just goes to show that nobody, that not everyone is as ugly and whatever deep, uh, deep down as you are.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he does pull the whole dent thing, but then, you know, Batman too, like his solution for that is I'm going to like sacrifice my own reputation and, you know, whatever for Mm -hmm. then, which I've heard some people like nitpicking of like, why couldn't they pin the crimes on the Joker or whatever? And I was like, well, that wouldn't be as interesting as a story. So, (laughs) um, there there's the answer for that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just like, I don't know. I, I, I just think about like our, our two political main political sides today. Um, just like, there's a lot of unwillingness to just have civil discourse or just like even simply not like lambast someone who has a different opinion than you um and i don't know i um i wrote down in my notes let's toss the detonators and treat each other as fellow humans <laughs> um and I, I yeah that was kind of like my corny takeaway line from from that whole sequence Is you know Toss the detonators out of the window. Like we don't have to like destroy each other to make our points. Like we can, you can make your, your point and opinion wise, like by just like treating other people as fellow human beings and talking through issues like civilly. Um And yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's still something that's relevant today. That's like probably had no one had like, maybe no intention of communicating, but Mm -hmm. something that kind of, I saw thinking about that sequence with the two fairies, but yeah, I don't know. Did you have any like final takeaways or just like things you were thinking about? It's a great movie. Yeah.
2: And I mean, like just even stepping back from all of this, like minutia that we've been talking about, like, it's just like a really Mm -hmm. enjoyable movie to watch.
1: Oh yeah. Um, It's, it doesn't, it's a long movie, but it doesn't, it's one of those movies that like you don't feel the length of it,
2: which Nolan's very good good at
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, so where would you, I mean, you, I I would assume this is your favorite Nolan movie. Um, it is. Cause it's one of your favorites all time. It it is. uh, It
2: is my all time favorite movie. I don't know if I said that earlier in the podcast, but it is, um, it is yet to be dethroned and I can't foresee a future where it will be. Uh so yeah 10 out of 10 what? 10 out of 10 for me um uh, for sure Yeah. Um I'm also like I said a huge Nolan fan so a lot of his movies are on my like top 10 list. Um, yeah. And not that I've made like a formal one or anything like that but sure, just yeah. kind of in my headspace right now I can probably think of one or two others that are up there as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah I um I think uh yeah, like I like I had said at the beginning when I think of the dark knight I'm like Houston Houston loves <laughs> this movie. Um but I remember there's once where like you just like we had like I think we went to a concert in Dallas. Was that a John Mark McMillan concert we yeah, went yeah, to or yeah. something like that? Like way back I mean that was probably like 8 or 9 years ago. Yeah. Um and uh you just like had the dark Knight playing on your phone on the drive back probably (laughs) you were driving and you just had it play. Yeah. Just like so I can listen to it. Yeah. I have like a distinct memory of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I put you through that then. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I love the movie too. You know, I wasn't mad about it. I just have like that memory. It's Um, like, let's check out this new album. Nah, let's watch this movie. (laughs) No, let's listen to the dark night. Uh, Goodness. Oh, man. Which I think it's funny because I think you can listen to it and not watch it and like picture it and enjoy it that way. But I also think like you could probably watch a lot of the scenes with no sound at all and it still be like really cool and Mm -hmm. incredible to watch. Um, which is, I don't know, that's fun. But yeah, for me, this is like, um, so I have like, I think six Nolan movies that are ranked that I would put like at, four and a half to five stars. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is one of them, but I, right now I have it as like the six. So um, just rewatching through everything. I think I moved, um, I've moved like Memento ahead of it Um, just because like Memento is so like, um, he's Nolan is so like precise and like everything is so like, just like on the dot with Memento. Mm -hmm. Um, with the way it's like written and structured, um, and it's a little bit more like focused in like what it, what he's doing with like memory and grief in it. Um, this is like a way more expansive movie, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's you know, like I always say, like ratings and rankings are like subjective and really don't mean anything objectively. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's fun to talk about yeah. to me. Um, yeah, so I have it sitting at like six, but like I said, still like mm-hmm. four and a half stars, or if you want to say like nine out of ten um, for me. Um, nice. And yeah, like just like frames of this movie like burned in your mind, like Joker with his head sticking out the police mm-hmm. um, car, uh, Batman um, standing with like the blue bluish like hazy background with the fires being put out behind them mm-hmm. it was, like sticks out in my mind. Um yeah, just like just a, yeah, it's just an incredible movie. Um all around. Um but yeah that's that's I think that I think we've pretty much we, we went we pretty in depth we're with that hit, one. Yeah. <laughs> um on on the Dark Knight. So um we're uh, obviously going to talk about inception next week um so looking forward to that um i've actually already recorded that episode and it's a very good one uh and so it, i'm uh, i've been recording these a little bit out of order in true like christopher nolan fashion so there you go <laughs> um yeah uh but yeah looking forward to that but uh we're going to um have a movie draft coming up that i'm excited about And uh, before that, we're going to take a quick break. So we will see you back in just a second. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on The Establishing Shot today. We hope you're enjoying the episode so far, and we hope you will stick around for the segments we have coming up after this quick break. But uh, during this break, I wanted to tell you how you can get more involved with The Establishing Shot podcast. There are several ways you can do this. The main way you can do it is by going to EstablishingShotPod.com, our website where you can find all sorts of information like uh, episodes with the show notes on there, uh, information about our guests for each episode. You can find uh, reviews there. Uh, And uh, there's a page where you can actually leave a review on the website if you want to. You can see all the platforms where the podcast is available, like Apple, Spotify, all the major podcast platforms, and even uh, a link to our YouTube page where you can see a video version of the podcast. So uh, please go to the website. And uh, the place I want to highlight there is our donate page, uh, which has information about our establishing shot family. This is a way that you can subscribe to the podcast to support all the efforts and uh, the just the stuff that goes into making this podcast good and making it better than it even is now. We have different tiers that you can subscribe to uh, starting at $5 and what this will do is... You'll be able to support the podcast, help me make it better. And also at the same time, you'll get early and ad free episodes. You'll get access to our discord server where you can join in and just kind of talking about movies with a community that loves, uh, film. And so we, we would love to have you in there. Uh, and then the higher up in the tiers you go, the more you get, uh, even things like, uh, chats and video chats that we'll do uh every once in a while where we get to talk about uh in more detail stuff that we're talking about on the podcast so i hope you'll subscribe to that Uh, choose a tier that fits uh your budget and uh, i would love for you to support the podcast in that way and uh the last thing i wanted to talk about uh is where you can find us on social media Uh, you can find me personally on twitter at D Eli Price and you can also follow me on letterbox letterbox is kind of like a social media for movie reviews so you can read my reviews there and you can find me there at just Eli Price you know no no spaces or anything uh, so I'm on Twitter and letterbox you can find the podcast on all the uh, social pl- platforms as well such as Twitter at eShotPod and then on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok at Establishing Pod. So make sure to follow us so you don't miss anything. If you have uh, any questions or comments about the episode or about the podcast, you can always email us at establishingshotpod at gmail.com. And the very last thing I want to do before you get back into the episode today is just ask you to please go to Spotify and Apple and leave some ratings and reviews that really helps the visibility of the podcast and gets it in more people's podcast feeds. And so we hope you will do that for us and we would greatly appreciate it. So I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode and I will see you next time on the Establishing Shot podcast hey everyone welcome back uh to the establishing shot i'm eli price here with houston dragna just had a great conversation on the dark knight um uh man i'm just like looking at the movie poster with the joker standing there and man just incredible mm-hmm. anyways uh <laughs> uh we uh are i'm I don't really have much as far as movie news goes for this episode. I know, um, I know the weekend this is releasing is the same weekend that the Taylor Swift era's tours coming to theaters. So to theaters got his, yeah. I know he's his, his ticket already pre-purchased for that. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm so excited for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, no, uh, I'm sure some people do, but, um, but yeah, it's apparently coming to theaters, a lot of Swifties it's, out there, the Swift, Swift Eris tour, you know, you can't buy the $2,000, um, take to a concert. So, you know, pay 15 bucks and go to the theater,
2: you know, there you go. Yeah. Big screen.
1: Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, like I said, not much as far as movie, movie news goes or releases for, for this weekend. So, Um, we're going to jump right into the movie draft and along with, uh, the Joker, um, we are doing a villains movie draft, um, choosing movie villains. I think, um, I don't, I don't remember if we talked about this, but I think we're going to like have the Joker in this movie set aside as like the, I mean, he's just the best. And so we'll just like crown him king. Yeah. So he, he drag, can't be chosen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I figured as much. Um,
1: so, yeah. So when I post, uh, when I, I, like when I post the, the pics on, uh, on social media for people to vote on, I'll just like say Joker. King, like I'll have a slide where like Joker's like has a little crown on, <laughs> like he's the best. We all know it. Uh, moving on. Let's, let's, let's try to make this harder on ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, because really, I think if one of us picks the the Joker, uh, which would be you, because you have the first pick, then you just automatically win. It's not as fun that way. <laughs> yeah, we can't make it too so easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're um, yeah. If you've if you never listened to one of the movie drafts before, is basically I like to describe it as um, picking the best kickball team on in the schoolyard. Mm-hmm. So you know you're you're gonna have. Um, you you you're, you're going to have your um you know your best players that you want to get on your team but also like your best friends that like you want your best friend to be on your team too he might not be the best kickball player but you know it's your best buddy you got to you got to bring him on the team um so <laughs> uh you know that's kind of how our movie drafts go i'm going to put up a poll after we finish drafting and see who ended up with the best team basically so it's it's Left, leave it up to the people. Um, we're the two fairies, um, in this scenario, and the people get to decide which one blows up. Um, and uh, um, oh man, I don't know uh, where you're going with that. (laughs) That's good. Um, yeah, uh, every once in a while, I'll tell a really corny joke live on air that that lands. Um, most of them don't. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you have the first pick. Um, we are picking movie villains. I haven't really put any stipulations on what counts for a movie villain. We didn't talk about it, so it's up. It's just up to us to define what that means. But I think it's pretty cut and dry. Well, yeah,
2: we're not going to decide who wins. So if no, we pick really we're gonna... crazy, like arbitrary decisions on what a villain is, then the audience <laughs> will know what that is, right?
1: Exactly. They'll know you're cheating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Houston's gonna have the first pick. We're gonna pick five movie villains each, so um yeah, we we'll, I guess we can kind of name the movie and then obviously the villain in the movie that we're choosing it for but um yeah you you've got the first pick, All go right.
2: ahead. I'm excited about this one. um, I'm gonna choose Hans Landa from
1: inglorious bastards great pick he was in my t- he was in my top few for sure, yeah, um, he's Christoph just off waltz perfect yeah
2: it was such a well-played role and that's that's even besides the point but like just a guy that's just he's a nazi he's excited about being a nazi he finds joy in like killing Mm -hmm. people and finding jews and all this terrible 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 awful stuff and he like laughs about it and he's like kind of like has a weird psychotic string to him he's got a little bit of joker energy to him oh yeah for sure Like, the big smile and, like, all of his lines and his, like, kind of super oddly cheery voice
1: the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Very disturbing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Great villain, too. Yeah, um, yeah, he was definitely in my top picks. Um, I I am going to... I'm glad you took... It's one of those things where, like, I hate to lose that as an option, Mm -hmm. but also, like, it'll make, like my first couple of picks easier. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm curious to see what you have to say. Cause I'm sure your list is um, like
2: twice as long as mine.
1: I have way too many. Um, but, um, but yeah, I'm going to go with one that's like both a, like, um, one of those that's like, it'll get some votes, but also like, is just like near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I kind of did, um, a social experiment with my family last, uh, last week, talking about i was you know saying oh we're going to do a villain's draft and um i was like what is the most who or who is the most like iconic not the most but one of the most like iconic movie villains um in pop culture so not just like a pop like a movie villain a really good one but one that's like very prominent in pop culture Mm -hmm. and like i was surprised that that it wasn't like didn't come to mind sooner for from my family than it did but uh yeah i'm gonna pick um darth vader from saw it coming a mile away with, <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go with uh from the empire strikes back because that's oh, my okay favorite. specifically okay yeah um i mean i've got to pick a movie specifically and i think um yeah i think i love him in empire strikes back um I mean, he's great in all of them, and you can't really pick. Uh, he, you know, you can't really pick him with. Uh, uh, Return of the Jedi because he kind of makes his, uh, his swing back in killing uh the Emperor there. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Darth Vader. I mean, one of the most iconic villains of all time. Yeah, you'll get a um, you'll get a bunch of
2: points with the audience for that one.
1: Yeah, um. But also, just like I love Star, I love, I love that first trilogy so much. It's so good. <laughs> nice.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I do as well. I, my confession with Star Wars though is the original three, like four, five, and six, they blur together in my mind so often that I forget what scene comes from what movie. That's fair. Yeah. Just because, like, I, when I first saw them, I was so little, and mm-hmm. and so like. I just like, I remember like maybe like bits and pieces, like I'll watch like an hour of it when I was younger and then like fall asleep. And then like my dad's watching the next one, the next day or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so
2: it's been a while since I've like sat down and watched them back to back to back. Yeah. But I digress.
1: Yeah. You, uh, you've got your second pick.
2: Yeah. I'm going to go with, if here? you're going to hit me with Darth Vader. I think I have to compete. I want to put some more interesting ones in there. Um, that are kind of more just for me. But I think just sure, for, yeah. for the points, I think I've got to go with Thanos.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, you will definitely get. Do you want to pick a specific movie? I mean, obviously, it's probably going to be Infinity War or Endgame. It's it's probably Endgame, just because you kind of see
2: his like, I guess, like pseudo humanity more, and like that kind of give yeah, more yeah. of his reason. Like, and I think that's what makes a great villain, and what kind of informed mm-hmm. a lot of my choices is like they were once normal or like that you can at least see you can somewhat um, sympathize with their cause. Yeah. And that that's yeah. what makes a, a great villain. It's just, they, they act on all those urges and all those things that you're like, Oh wait, no, you can, you, you can only think that don't actually do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Which is ironic, I guess, talking since we talk so much about the Joker and how like, we don't know, what his origin is oh. or like what his motivations are. So it's just crazy how like you can have those two opposite ends, of mm-hmm. like great movie villains. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go my second pick. I'm going to go with the more Joker end of things, uh, with a villain that you don't have any idea where he comes from, what his motivations are. Uh, and I'm going to go with Anton Chigurh from no country for old. Man. Oh, he, he's on my um, list too. Javier Birdim. Um I think he is like really one of the best, like so Just out of left field. It would be hard for me to choose between him and uh Hans from Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> um it's very close. I don't know. Yeah. But since you took him off the board, it made it much easier <laughs> for me. Um so yeah, I'm going with uh with Anton Shiger. Um yeah, I mean he is he's flipping the making you flip the coin to decide if you're going to live or die. And then in a much, in a much more menacing and better fashion than even Harvey Dent. So yeah, if you haven't seen no country
2: for old men, I mean, good gracious. That's an incredible movie. Yes. Disturbing, yes. but incredible. Yeah. Very. Um, okay. Yeah. So pick number three for me. Um, I think I'm gonna do one more popular one and then I'm, I'm going to pick some that my last two are gonna be for me. Uh, so my my last popular one. Oh, this is a tough choice. I it gets hard. It does. Uh, <laughs> man. Jeez. Okay. Um let's go with uh Green Goblin from mm. the Willem Dafoe Green Goblin from Spider-Man. Right. Spider-Man. Yeah.
1: The, the, the
2: first Sam Raimi right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Such a good villain um, has like both ends of the spectrum where it's like, I guess like the, the, the green goblin from the chemical, that kind of comes out of nowhere, mm -hmm. but then like, um, was it Harry Osborn? Um, right. Mm -hmm. Is a very human real person that has like real aspirations and stuff. But like, I don't know, he's kind of like a little bit obsessed about this whole green goblin thing. Um, Mm -hmm. or or just like the what is it like just like a a body synthesis kind of material thing
1: yeah something like that yeah um yeah i uh i think if we didn't have the um the heath ledger joker i think defoe's green goblin would be my favorite like superhero movie villain he's good
2: it was tough Um, between that and doc ock for me but i think green goblin yeah yeah.
1: doc ock doc ock is great too but defoe just brings that like comic book energy like oh yeah um, like even even in the um the no uh what is it no way home um Mm -hmm. where he comes back that yeah where you know they bring him back in the kind of multiverse thing um he just like takes control of that movie even like i mean willem dafoe as a as an
2: actor does that no matter what he's in yeah
1: yeah for sure yeah yeah this is where it gets hard for me too because kind of like my my favorite ones are all, like my top choices are off the board. So it's just kind of like, okay, where do I go next? Um, I'm going to, and and like you said, I like to take some like popular and then some for me, uh, which luckily I got ones, a couple that are popular, but also like some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So that helps. Um, I'm going to... Hmm. Do I go this direction already or wait? Okay, I think I know what I'm gonna do. I am going to pick. Um I guess this one is probably popular too, but maybe like people maybe don't think of it um, when they think of movie villains. But um he's like one of he's a He's a fun. He's a villain that like isn't necessarily like um, one of those that has like you said a good backstory or even like one like Sugar or Joker where they're like just like chaos kind of villain. But he's just the villain that keeps popping up. And I'm gonna go with uh, Hugo Weaving's Agent Smith um, in The Matrix. Okay. Um, he was a consideration for me, not not a pick yeah, though. Yeah. Just yeah. He's just. It's just a fun character, like um mm-hmm. and like one that like sticks in my mind, like I can just hear him saying like Mr. Anderson. <laughs> like um like anytime I see someone with the name Anderson, like that's what I say in my mind. Yeah. Um so yeah, I uh just a really fun villain, in my opinion. Um Yeah. Very cool. All right. All right. Um so
2: since we're on the Nolan uh, series right now. I had to give mm-hmm. some love to some of his characters, besides the Joker, um, and this is like a genuine one that I really think is like a truly crazy, awesome villain: is uh, Mal from Inception? Okay. And so, that's a take. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I get. Yeah. Do you get Go why? Ahead.
2: Do you get why I'm saying that she's a villain? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's because she is trying to draw in I forget the actual what what's uh DiCaprio's character's name in the movie Cobb yeah yeah Cobb he's he, she's trying to draw in Cobb to this like state of madness that she's entered into
1: mm-hmm. because
2: she's she delved too deep into like the kind of inception world and all, all these dreamscapes and yeah. stuff and then she eventually she killed herself because of it right because she right. she could distinguish between uh
1: yeah. realism and reality um yeah. and so it's, and it, it, it's she kind of and she's even a projection. So like the mouth that you get throughout the movie for the most part is like a projection correct. of yeah. his. Mm. And so like it's almost like he's, he's his own correct villain. Yeah.
2: But but that yeah. concept as a character, I think, is uh really cool. And I thought a long time about that one. I was like, it does this does is, this is really count? And I'm I'm gonna go with yes. But if
1: that loses okay. me points with the crowd, so be it. <laughs> so be it. I it's a, uh, I think it's a hot. I think it's a bit of a hot take, but I do see where you're coming from mm-hmm. uh, with it. Um, I would have never thought of that, uh, but yeah, I like it. I like that idea that she's a villain, and it makes it more interesting because she is a projection of his own mind. Yeah. So uh-huh. would
2: you? So if if she's not the villain, what would you consider? Is there a, like a true antagonist in that movie even?
1: Um. Mm,
2: like besides himself.
1: yeah well like even if you say Mao as the as the projection because obviously she's not a villain she wasn't a villain like as her real self but like the projection of Mao like he is his own enemy Mm -hmm. um, because she is a projection so yeah I I guess it's that that conflicted man kind of thing that Nolan you know kind of deals with in all of his movies Mm -hmm. um, where you know the the protagonist is kind of his own worst enemy in a sense mm-hmm. um
0: yeah, yeah i'll i'll leave, I'll leave it I on like, the table
1: yeah i like it i'm not going to uh i'm not going to um veto it or anything I, I think it's an interesting choice um okay so uh this is my man we're already four in we um, i
2: think we if you really want to we can push to 7 if you want
1: yeah, let's see how let's see how it goes. I'm gonna go ahead and pick one um, that is probably one for me. I don't know if, how popular this movie is because I, I know a lot of people that haven't seen it. Uh, but I'm gonna pick um, Samuel L. Jackson's um, Mr. Glass, oh. aka <laughs> Elijah Price from um, Unbreakable, shares my name, uh, which is kind oh, of weird. Wow. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, <laughs> that
2: was my next pick. You jerk. Uh,
1: which, I, you know, I I think uh, it was maybe a little bit of a spoiler <laughs> to pick him. Uh, so uh, my bad. I should have said spoiler alert. Uh, but um, well, you didn't say what he did. Yeah, I didn't say what he did. But it is kind of like a, a, a the twist. It is a twist. The yeah. Shyamalan twist that he's the villain um but i mean people know that there's the movie glass at this point it's yeah. been long enough you should you should have seen it by now mm-hmm. but yeah i love uh unbreakable has always been a favorite of mine i, I haven't and it's, it's a superhero it's a superhero it, movie yeah, technically it technically is yeah. um i haven't yeah. seen glass
2: nor have i seen a dragonfly wasn't that like the kind of spiritual precursor to that series or whatever
1: oh i don't know aren't they like I kind of like lumped in that. together
2: or something i know they're like not directly related though
1: Split is that's so what I meant. Split, Split is not not Dragonfly. It. That's no, uh, yeah, yeah. Split is um. Split is uh pretty good, and I th- I thought Glass was pretty good. Um, Glass didn't get very good like critical reception, but I enjoyed it, it personally. It came out so much
2: later than Unbreakable, though, right? Yeah, it did. It was like almost ten years, uh, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. And it incorporates the um. The split character, uh, James McAvoy's character gotcha. into that one too. So you have the, you have his character and Bruce Willis's character. And yeah, I thought it was a fun movie, but nice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mr. Glass. Well, thanks for taking
2: my next pick. You're welcome. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really, really good one. Um, all right. So if you're going to pick Mr. Glass. I feel like I gotta throw in another heavy hitter now, because you took that. I'm going to go. I got two good ones right here. Um, I'm gonna go with Scar from The Lion King.
1: Nice. You made another choice easy for me.
2: Okay, good. A,
1: but I'll I'll get to that probably with my next pick.
2: And I don't think the, that one needs Scar's any. Scar is great. I don't I don't think he needs yeah. any explanation.
1: Yeah, you know. Be prepared. Messi. <laughs>
2: that's the it's, it's cuz he has a great singing voice that's why I picked him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not many
2: on here yeah, with a great singing voice.
1: Yeah. I like to picture Scar with a beak coming out of his mouth talking. <laughs> yes. Um yeah, Scar is, I mean he's a great. He's a great villain. He really is. Who, uh, um Who played Scar? Jeremy Irons? Is that right? Let's see. I think that's right uh
0: yeah
1: yep really great mm-hmm. um okay yeah you made my next pick easy i'm gonna go with um probably like i was i was another question i posed to like my family just a fun thought experiment is when you think disney villain who's the first one that comes to your mind um and I got several answers like Scar, uh, you know, Scar was said. I don't know if anyone's Scar was their first one that came to mind, but um, but he was one of the first uh, and it would have been one of the first for me. But I think the f- villain that I think of first um, comes with her own very recognizable theme. And I'm going with Cruella de Vil okay. from 101 Dalmatians.
2: I, I wasn't one hundred percent sure where you were going with the female villain. I thought you were going to go uh, Maleficent at first.
1: Yeah, Maleficent is the one that most people will say when you think of a Disney villain. Mm-hmm. I think a couple of people of him would say Maleficent, um, but Maleficent doesn't have her own theme song, so um, it's fair. Cruella De is automatically better <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> That's the reason. Yeah, and she's just kind of crazy, like. I don't I'm not a huge fan of the Emma Stone movie that came out Corilla. I nah, mean neither. It gives like an origin story to a character that like doesn't need an origin story and like actually makes the character confusing. When you get the origin story that makes you supposed to be empathetic with her. Yeah. Um and I'm like, yeah, but she's just trying to like kill puppies. So why <laughs> uh, I don't get it either. Yeah, I, didn't, so, I didn't
2: really care for that movie. I did watch it though. Yeah.
1: Anyways, Cruella Deville is a fantastic villain, and she's got a cool car, and she's got she her does. own theme song. She does. So those that's are all
2: you need to know. Those are true things. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I need to ask you now: Are we going to seven, or are we stopping it at five? What do you think?
1: Do you do you think you got two more? Because my, I'll tell you this: my, if we keep going, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick some like just very personal ones that I kind of doubt you'll pick.
2: Yeah, I got a couple more. Um wait, so this this would be my fifth pick currently?
1: Yeah. I'm about to do my I fifth do pick. Have, yeah. I do have like another like more like popular one that I could go with. But I do have some like personal ones too. Yeah, let's we can do seven. Okay, cool. I'm down.
2: If that's the case, before you get rid of it, um I think this might be another one that's up there, um, pretty high on the list. Um, and it's gonna be Sauron from Lord of the Rings.
1: Mm, Yes. (laughs) Uh, the chess game now. I guess you gotta go with Return of the King, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's a good one. And honestly, like, uh, so I'm, I, I like, I've been making like little letterbox lists so I can like organize these, um, for my drafts and uh. For some reason I forgot to or maybe it's just like oh, that's what it is. So like usually I like I'll put my favorite ones up toward the top and I had just forgot to move it up there. Um so yeah. Oh well. Boom. But yeah, Sauron, great one. That's gonna get some votes.
2: Yeah, just for even if they don't know his name, they just the fact that I'm putting the Lord of the Rings on my list. I think it'll get yes. some uh, some brownie points there or some Limbus yeah. red
1: points. Alright. So like I said, there was one more that is gonna that would be like a very popular one. Mm-hmm. Um probably. Uh, and since you picked Sauron, I think I've gotta go <laughs> <in> this direction. <laughs> uh because that was a huge oversight for me. Uh, and I'm gonna go with Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger from Black Ooh, Panther. Good one. Who is my favorite, per, personal favorite Marvel MCU villain? Okay. Um. So, uh, Marvel. So, like, I can't say Marvel villain because I do like Defoe's Green Goblin more. Like I said, yeah, but yeah, yeah, Killmonger is my favorite. Um, but for MCU, MCU specifically, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Great performance too. Um, mm-hmm yeah great performance really like cool like empathetic like like we've been talking about villain um yeah black panther killmonger all right this is your last pick is it no this is this is yeah. six right one two three four five six nope this is seven this is the last one sorry
2: right. wait who, all right. can i go through my list again so i did hans landa uh yep. thanos green goblin mm-hmm. yep mal mal
1: mm-hmm
2: and scar scar and then and sauron sauron okay oh dang all right cool well i have a few more to choose from then um <laughs> i gotta go for an interesting one i can't go like super mainstream with this one.
1: Oh yeah i'm picking something for me <laughs> i'm
2: going to go with and i think you might appreciate this one i'm gonna go with terence fletcher the teacher from whiplash
1: love it yeah, I had seen that when I was, like, doing some research of, like, oh, what are some interesting things? Yeah, and I had seen that, and I was like, oh, I like that take. That's good.
2: Yeah, it's. I think that's um, a super interesting one, because it's, like, it is technically, like, a fictional movie, so, like, they kind of, like, over-personify the characters a bit. And it, mm-hmm. he is, like, just far. And, like, I did some music program study at UL in Lafayette. And, like, yeah. not to say that anybody there is near that bad, but, like, I kind of, like, I can sympathize with the musician thing because I was in the music program. Um, mm-hmm. of like the late night rehearsals and like trying to pass your exams and trying out for bands that you don't make and just kind of being under that stress. And so, um, yeah, I can empathize with, uh, miles. Uh, what's, what's the actor's name? The the main guy.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, from now to- that
2: you asked me from Top Gun as well. Miles
1: Teller, Miles Teller. Yeah. Miles so Teller. I can
2: sympathize with Miles Teller a lot more, um, uh, mm-hmm. because of having that kind of life experience. And so yeah. that one is a very personal one to me, even though I didn't have any um, professors near that that mean. <laughs> but super, yeah, super duper well done uh, performance there, which I think he got an Oscar for, right?
1: Um, yeah, I think so. Also played
2: yeah. J Jonah Jameson in the first uh, Spider-Man movies. There you go. Boom. Tie-ins. Full
1: circle. Tie-ins all around. Um. Okay, this is my last pick, and I just, I'm scrolling, I have a huge list. And so I'm scrolling through here, and I'm like, okay, I have two that I'm deciding from that are very, very different. One is definitely not going to win me any votes, uh, because I doubt many people people have seen it. Actually, I have three. Two of them will not win me any votes. Well, One of them might.
2: I got to know what the other ones are. Once you reveal your actual pick,
1: yeah, one of them might win me votes, um, but I've already picked one villain based on the theme song, uh, so <laughs> I'm not gonna pick another theme song one and go. with... Nickelback the, doesn't the count as a villain. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, um, no. I I was thinking so. I was thinking about doing uh, Bogus Bunsen and Bean from Fantastic Mr. Fox. Just because the I love that song gets stuck in my head. Okay. Uh, cause Bunsen yeah, yeah, yeah. Um It's been a minute since uh, I've seen that movie. Yeah. And uh yeah, I just did the Wes Anderson series, so Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh more fresh on and we watch me and my wife, uh, which you know Robin, um we watch it uh we started a tradition of watching it every Thanksgiving. Nice. Which it's is a great movie. Fun. It's a yeah. Um so I'm gonna go there's two I'm choosing from. I think I'm going to go with the absolutely creepiest of creepy options and I'm going to go with uh Max Shrek's uh version of Count Orlok aka Count Dracula and the 1922 uh silent movie Nosferatu. Okay. Um if you've never seen this movie it's I've seen it is incredible the amount of like actual real horror and creepiness that uh the director FW Murnau, is able to like capture. Like you you look at still images and you're like, Oh, this movie's probably like corny. And then you watch it and it's like it's incredibly creepy and like <laughs> um like and if you if you watch it like disconnected from the film i could see how like you'd be like oh the way he moves is like corny but like when you watch it in the atmosphere of the mm-hmm. whole movie it is haunting like the performance um and so yeah it's not going to win me any votes but maybe it'll get some people uh during uh spooky season to go. watch uh, the 1922 Nosferatu for the first time. Yeah, I've definitely seen cells from this because I think at one point he was turned into a meme. Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> but uh, no, I've never seen the actual name-able. movie.
1: Yeah, the the stills are like you're like, oh, this is a very corny, but it is absolutely completely haunting and creepy. Um, nice. so yeah, that's that's kind of a just a personal favorite pick. Right on. Um, that's not gonna win me any votes. The other one was uh which we can do some honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah, sure. The other one was um uh Robert Mitchum, Mitchum's uh Harry Powell from The Night of the Hunter, uh nineteen fifty five uh black and white film, it's uh this guy um that plays this kind of like uh traveling preacher that's actually a serial killer. Oh wow. Um, yeah, so he kind of poses as a preacher. And uh, yeah, he's um he's a he's a serial killer that, and he's looking for this um one of his ex inmates like cash that he has stowed away. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a very good, interesting movie. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, others. I mean, I didn't pick any like um other. I, I guess Nosferatu is horror, so I got a horror pick in there. But you have your like iconic horror villains like um freddie mm-hmm. um from nightmare on elm street mike myers from halloween jason boris um, yeah j have yep, jason um
2: not super but very one-dimensional like that's the only bad thing yeah. about horror movies is most of the villains are very one-dimensional mm-hmm. they're just like an evil spirit from something and they just live to kill and that's it they just they're scary yeah. but they're not very
1: compelling most of the time yeah uh, if i had to pick one it would probably be um Freddie, uh, because I think there's some interesting stuff going on with, with him, like emotionally and whatnot. Um, like where does he stem from? And, and then like to the way, like Mike Myers is just totally like kind of funny, like how he just appears Mm -hmm. around corners, but at least with Freddie, like, you know, he exists in the dream space. So it's totally like plausible within the structure of how things work.
2: Yeah. That one does work a bit better. Um, I, I this wasn't even on my list and I don't really like ascribe to myself to be like a huge fan of this the series, but if we're going just outside of movies, Vecna from Stranger Things Four is yeah. a pretty good one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, really good. I enjoyed that that story arc in that last season. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very good. Um on my the list total, okay. one we've really missed um was uh uh Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh it, Ralph Fine's performance in uh is is very good.
2: Yeah. I um, highly agree. He's, he's, he's on my top list of actors for sure. Especially like he can do that and then he can go do like grand Budapest hotel.
1: <laughs> right. So good.
2: <laughs> so, so good. Um, the biggest one on my list that I hadn't said was probably Jack Torrance from the shining.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Very creepy um, character. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's um it's interesting. Like that's another one of those where I saw that on a bunch of lists and I was like, I don't immediately think of him as a villain because he's sort of like the main character of the movie, uh, in a sense. Yeah, um, I guess so. But like he,
2: he becomes that later, though, like he kind becomes, of like the, the, yeah. the shift, it, it shifts um, right. his attention to uh, the right. female character. I forget her her name right now, but I do, too. Um, but it shifts to her and then he becomes the villain and starts becoming an axe murderer right um (laughs) and then who else do i have on i had a gore from thor love and thunder actually really i loved that character
1: bill is like going all out (laughs) what was that it's great bill is just going all out with that character yeah yeah, yeah. i love it
2: Um, uh yeah christian bale's a fantastic actor and then that character has a really good backstory Mm -hmm. um or at least a Fairly compelling one. It's a little far
1: fetched, but yeah, I mean everything in the right.
2: MCU is now.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that whole movie is like totally just like balls to the wall. Like I love it, ha- like going crazy, and I like it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot of Marvel movies try to like ride the line of being funny and serious at the t- same time, and this movie is just like totally like not taking itself so seriously at all, which I I, I kind of yeah, appreciate. Ninety like percent of it for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, ad- another big one we didn't draft that I had thought about was, um, uh, Hannibal Lecter mm-hmm. and silence of the lambs, Anthony Hopkins, like iconic performance there. Yep. 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 That's um, a big one. There's a lot of good Disney ones that are fun. Ursula. I'm not going to go through all of them, but yeah, Ursula is a good one. Um, uh, oh, who else was I thinking of? Um, uh Jafar. Yep, Jafar is a great one. Um, um, you've got uh there's um there's a lot of pretty good ones in like the Bond series and mm-hmm. Mission Impossible movies, fun villains in those. Uh Hans um, Gruber from Die Hard. Yep, Hans Gruber. I thought about Hans. I thought about drafting him, but I didn't didn't end up going with him. Um some less conventional ones. Well one more conventional one is uh the Shark and Jaws. Could totally pick him. Yeah, I guess Uh, so. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, some more unconventional ones for me would be um, like uh, well, like Western. There's some good Western villains too. Like um, the Liberty Valance and the man who shot Liberty Valance is really good. Um, The Angel Eyes uh, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, no, it's really good. I know it's a classic one, I just haven't seen it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. I only watched it recently, mm-hmm. like in the past year. My the, there are it.
2: gigantic gaps in my like, I need to watch this uh movie realm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I've been trying to like slowly like watch some more like classic westerns to yeah. catch up with those. Uh,
2: Caesar and uh, gladiator is a big one for yep. me.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Um, are you? Uh, yeah, the Walking Phoenix, mm-hmm. Commodus. Yeah, the yeah very good. Yeah,
2: I guess he's he's effectively Caesar, but yeah, I guess it's not his yeah. character's name.
1: Uh, another one that I thought of that was just more of a would have been a just a fun pick was the um, uh, Mama Fratelli and the Goonies. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you know what I should have picked was Doctor Evil from Austin Powers.
2: I did oh, think my about Doctor Evil. That, that
1: should have been on my list. That's <laughs> like legitimately sure one of my favorites. Honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh yeah. Doctor Evil. That's we didn't do that's that's um I was trying to think of like some comedies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um to pick villains from. And Doctor Evil is one I had thought of but forgot to put on my list. I don't know that I would have picked them, but um but yeah, I do think there's some fun some oh uh, another big one that I I probably should have taken. Um, that I think is really fun is uh, Marvin Harry from Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. The Wet really Bandits. Really fun, yeah. Um, Rob Lowe Wet from bandits, Wayne's World. Sticky Bandits, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of... Villains are fun, um, which is a strange thing to say, but What's the, uh, the, in movies... The Teacher from Matilda
2: fun. would have also been a good one.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would um It's been a... I, it's been so long that since I've seen that that I like. It's one of those that like I know I've watched it before, but like can't really like mark off as like yeah I've seen that because I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't yeah. Remember. like I know the story and all.
2: I of don't that. even know if she was like yeah. the main villain. I guess like was like Danny DeVito. I guess was like one of the main antagonists in that one too. Maybe I don't like. I said I don't even yeah. remember honestly. Anyway, it's been so long. But yeah, that yeah. that that's my list exhausted. I believe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot more. I might, uh, I might link my list, um, my letterbox list in the show notes if people want to see my whole list. It's not, it's probably not like all of them, but it's just like ones I could think of. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I'll read these off, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on. Houston ended up with, um, Hans from Inglorious Bastards, uh, Thanos from Avengers: Endgame. Uh, the green goblin from Spider Man, Maul from Inception, uh, Scar from The Lion King, uh, uh, Sauron from Return of the King, and remind me of the Whiplash character's name? Oh, uh, Terrence Fletcher. Yeah, Terrence Fletcher from Whiplash, the J.K. Simmons. Yes. Um, yeah, and I ended up with, um, uh Darth Vader from Empire Strikes Back, Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men, uh Agent Smith from The Matrix, uh Mr. Glass aka Elijah Price from the uh from Unbreakable, uh Cyril de Deville from 101 Dalmatians, Killmonger from Black Panther and Count Orlok from Nosferatu. So
2: Hearing it, it out looks. loud, I think you're going to win. But we'll see.
1: I don't know, yeah. we. So you have some heavy... Like, having um, Thanos and Sauron and Scar, like, those are heavy hitters. I have heavy hitters, too, though. So it's just... It'll just come down to, like, people's personal preference. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think we both have, like, one throwaway on there.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, I think... I think a lot of people like love Inception, but a lot of people are gonna be like, Really? Mal from Inception? <laughs> and mine they're gonna be like, No Suratu, what is that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um but yeah. Maybe they'll maybe we'll get some people thinking. Yeah, did you um just uh wrapping things up, did you have happen to have a recommendation of the week? Um if you wing it, it's okay because I wing it all the time.
2: Yeah. Um, just because I was super late to the party and I didn't get to watch it in theaters, um, across the Spider
1: Verse was incredible. Oh yeah, it really was. Yeah. Um, I want to see that again, like on my home screen, where I can like yeah. Pay- I, re- I re- it was like overwhelming in theaters. I regret not being able to do that at least once though. Yeah. Um. Yeah it. It was, there's so much going on in that movie that it's like, okay, I need to watch it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Incredible. Uh, yeah, really incredible. Um, could end up being like my favorite of the year. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, my recommendation of the week, um, I've decided to keep it Batman and go with one of the comic book stories that was an uh, influence for this Um, and I mentioned it earlier, the long Halloween, it's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite, just like overall comic book stories, um, that I've read. I haven't read like a ton of them, um, but I've read enough to like have some favorites, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, long Halloween is a great story arc. It's not like the same story arc as like the dark Knight or anything. It was just kind of like, they took some influences from it, but, um, but yeah, it's a great. Great, great, great story. Uh, if you don't want to read the comic, um, but would watch the animated movie version, there is like a two-part hmm. um, feature that you know all the DC stuff is on Max, so you can you can watch oh, it okay, on cool. Max, um, and it's pretty well done. Like the the voice acting and everything is is really well done for it, and it's um, a lot of those like animated versions of the stories are pretty much like 95%, um, sticking to the comic. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's really good. Long Halloween. Great story. Go read it, or at least maybe watch, uh, watch the animated version. Nice. Yeah. That's it. Uh, did you want to, uh, plug some, um, some places where people can find you, uh, find your work or, um, just uh, you know, yeah,
0: for sure. I appreciate socials. that.
2: Um, so I am a photographer, videographer, graphic designer. Um, I'm currently promoting a lot of my like wedding business stuff. So if that's mm-hmm. of interest to you, um, or a friend or a family member, um, you can find me at houstondragna.com for all my wedding stuff. Um, I am on Instagram at um, at the houston dragna, um, and on Facebook as houston dragna photography. But I think if you type in like facebook.com slash the Houston Dragnet still pulls up there. Um, hmm. But yeah, that's, that's about it. But um, I also do like commercial work too. So like not just wedding yeah. stuff, um, product photography, brands stuff, lifestyle, portraits, headshots, you know, kind of yeah. the whole gamut.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen his work. You've hired me for some work. work. <laughs> I have. and It's great. Some great family pictures that I will cherish forever. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you can get some great wedding photos and video that you can cherish forever. Do you, do you just do uh photography for weddings? No, I, I do both. So, you um, do video I, too? I do both.
2: Okay. Um, I offer discounts great. whenever you book both with me. And then if, uh, if you do actually end up booking both, I, uh, I hire a pretty sweet talented team to come out with me.
1: Yeah. Sweet. Uh, and if the Joker shows up, you know, that's on, that's totally what on the Joker. You never know when he might show up. Never. Um, yeah. It's not, it's not a part of the, the package deal, but um, <laughs> you just, you never know when chaos, chaos might show up and impose itself on your um, wedding party. So.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a concern we all have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah that's uh that's all we have for today. Um, thanks so much Houston for for coming on mm-hmm. um, and talking for a long time with me about the dark night and, <laughs> and uh I hope uh everyone enjoyed the show um, again, we're gonna talk inception next week, looking forward to that conversation uh, but until then, I've been Eli Price for Houston Dragma i said dragma for houston Dragna. Mm -hmm. uh you've been listening to the establishing shot we'll see you next time later thank you so much for joining us on the establishing shot today we hope you enjoyed the episode and got a lot out of it Make sure before you go to like and subscribe uh, on all your podcast platforms and especially on Spotify and Apple. If you could leave a rating and review, that would greatly help the visibility of the podcast and I would greatly appreciate it. Again, if you go to establishingshotpod.com, you can find out all you need to know about the show, where to find us on the social media platforms, where to find us podcast wise, YouTube, uh, and you can even leave a voicemail there on the website on the right side of your screen. So click that if you want to give a comment or ask a question about the show. Uh, just feel free to leave a voicemail. We'd be happy to feature that on the show. And also if you just want to email rather than leave a voicemail, you can email us at establishingshotpod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And we would be happy to answer your question there or feature a question or comment on the show if it pertains to uh, the episodes. So please do that. And we would love for you to join the Establishing Shot family. You can, again, find where to do that on the donate page at establishingshotpod.com. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to seeing you again next time. We were happy here. For a little while. But look, I figure it this way better to be king for a night than schmuck for a lifetime.